you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Ready? Oh my goodness. Yes, I, I missed you. I'm excited to chit chat. Yeah. Hello, Em. How are you? I'm good. I missed you. I'm excited to chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What a coincidence. I tried uh, calling you, FaceTiming you yesterday just to say hello. And you were busy. That's fine. I know. Okay, I was busy like doing a family game night with my in-laws. I wasn't like busy out on the town or anything. Mm -hmm. You know what? Busy on Zoom with your family in 2020 and 2021 is a night out on the town. Okay, that's valid. Excuse me. You were clubbing it up as far as I'm concerned. One quiplash. So I think like (laughs) I had a big night. You know what? In the Schieffer Lamp McNally house? Absolutely. That is a wild competition that's basically the olympics <laughs> okay here comes geo sorry he keeps inserting himself into the corner wait let me see if we can see him oh there's his butt curtain coming through puppy dog he keeps doing that but then like then he starts whining because he gets stuck and i'm like nobody made you go back there into that corner anyway em what are you drinking today I well, I'm drinking a nice cup of water. Um, oh, me too. I, I'm doing it out of my Regina Pizzeria cup. We've discussed this before. Shout out to Boston. I just don't have a bigger cup than this, and I know that I'm gonna need to uh, wet my whistle quite a, a lot. Refill my own mouth. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna Yum. Need to drink a lot of water in this episode, and uh, to beat you to the punch, I drink because Christine. Uh oh. Three cockroaches. I Wait, have what? found. Oh, found. I thought you were calling me a cockroach. I'm sorry. You said That's, Christine. I was talking. You, you, me, and Eva. No, I found <laughs> three more cockroaches oh, after um, we were done oh, with this. Um, where did you find? I don't even want so to. So I haven't found any. So I, I'm very lucky in that I haven't been re traumatized the same. But Allison found all three of them and she's fucking over it. So we, tomorrow, are re spraying the whole place so uh the live show that we have by the way is going to be filmed at our and that's why we drink studio because i am not allowed to be here because the cockroach man said that i need to to be fair that's probably better because then you're the only one using the internet and stuff so it might even be 
Very true. Well, no, Allison has to come with me. No one can be here because well, they're Well, then spraying. tell her to get off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> tell her she better be watching my fucking show. That's Wait a, a exactly. Minute. Okay. A second. Exactly. Um, but anyway, I drink because I ha- I don't have control and that gives me anxiety and I'm angry. What What are you drinking and wow. why? That's nice. Um, I'm <laughs> also drinking water because it's only three here. And um, unfortunately, I need to hold off on the booze in it for a couple more hours. Um, but, I, you know, I don't – this is probably jinxing it, but, like, the weather is beautiful. It's, like, 65 and sunny today. Or no, not 65. I'm waiting like for 55. a bolt of lightning to fucking crash through the sounds of this, this microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also I drink because Eva just messaged, oh, no, is it too late to change your usernames? Because, once again, we forgot. <laughs> So, did you see what I, I did last week? No. Did you, call uh, poopy, did you call me poopy face again? No. You were supposed to check on it. Now I'm going to make it even worse. Oh, no. Now, wait, hang you on. You don't even Let's... check on my editing prowess? I. You know what? We really have forgotten so much about this. I even forgot to look. I don't. I have no idea what my... Because even you said, oh, I'm going to re-listen to this since you covered QAnon, and you clearly didn't because you didn't I check. listened to it. I didn't watch it on YouTube. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I did. I really did. I was actually very nervous, and Christine and Eva can both vouch for this. I appreciate everyone's kind words about what I've been doing with QAnon and my research, but I have been very paranoid, and so it's nice to know that people are not mad at me, which is fun. So that being said, I'm going to go look at our YouTube right now. Okay. Um, well, Jess even posted it on Instagram, and you didn't check. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, I... Also, okay, I'm just made the most beautiful face of me, and now I'm distracted. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, I was like, did she? Did she? Did she? Hang on. Is, yeah. On the, and that's why we well, no, one? she posted it and said, go check what Christine changed M's name to. So it's not. Oh, it's I like see what you're saying. It's like a sneak peek. Anyway, whatever. Your name already on here has changed because I've already gotten mad and done it in the future. You know, it's. Oh, okay. I was going to say, my if you were to change your right now or something, I wouldn't even notice because my notes are hiding me. Uh, Great. You know what? I don't know what you wrote. I'm just going to assume I hate you because I assume the name is very silly on YouTube. Okay, I changed mine. Hey, it's, I can see that one. <laughs> it says M sucks with 40,000 X's. Uh, so, okay, here goes M. Great. Now this is just spiraling out of control as per usual. Here I go. Here I go again. Hmm. What am I going to say? Christine is... <laughs> La cucaracha. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not the three cockroaches in your apartment. Please. Oh, okay, here's, what, here's something really funny is I didn't know how to spell cucaracha, so I was just going to write cockroaches. But as I was trying to figure it out, I'd already written M la. M is Christine is cockroaches. I wrote la for la cucaracha, and then I psyched myself out, so I was going to write la cockroach, but then I got <laughs> nervous. And in my anxiety, after pausing, I looked back and I'd written, Christine is la cock. <laughs> Well, you've crossed many lines now, so anything I've called you about a poopy head, you've just... What is it? You literally left it like that? You are such a demon. Jeez. You know what? And Okay, I'll change it. 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 Okay, here's the thing. We're really spiraling already. Well, what else is new? Um, I also... Oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Hang on. Let me think. Hmm. We've got nothing but time, girl. Nothing. Hang on. Hang on. I really did have something to say. One second. Oh, I know. Okay. I actually do have a reason why I drink M, which is that the other night I was, so I've started watching Paranormal Witness because a couple people, uh, oh, thanks. I'm your fav- favorite little, tur- little turd. Great. Thank you. Little em. T. You know how I feel about that. I'm like with a little P. Little P you and are. little T. 
Lopi um, has been coming in useful, by the way, with my noisy neighbors. I've been banging them on the ceiling a lot. So, Oh, beautiful. So I, I was glad because at first when you said useful, I was like, please tell me it's not in the toilet. No, but point. in terms of soundproofing, it's just in a, in a way we didn't see coming. It's a soundproofing <laughs> tool, but not in the way intended. Yeah, just I love that. Just by shutting them up. Okay, sorry. Uh, paranormal Witness. Yeah, so I've started watching that, which is super spooky. And I watch it on YouTube TV um, because it's free on there. Have you ever seen this show? I don't think so. It's it's. I'm surprised I have haven't seen it. It's very creepy. Like it actually scares me. Um, and I was watching it one night, and I got like really into it and watched like five episodes in a row, and I got really spooked. And I was sitting in bed, and all of a sudden, my bedroom door slammed. Like I'm I'm not kidding. Like it didn't just like close. It, the whole thing slammed, and like. Gio and Junie jumped up and were staring and everybody was like on edge. And then I walked over and Moonshine was just sitting there with oh his fucking God. paw on the door. Okay. And started like, crying, like, crying like to get out. he wanted you to see it. He was like, yeah, I'm the fucking culprit. He now did what? it. And then he went, well, I want to get out now. And I was like, well, you fucking did that. Like, what are you doing? And so I realized now that my cat has powers that I didn't realize he had. He can slam do- like slam doors. It was open, open. And Blaze's stuff keeps getting moved around. And I was like, oh, no, it's a ghost. And one day I was in bed and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And Mooney had jumped onto the counter in the bathroom and carried Blaze's glasses out of the bathroom. And in was his ca- mouth? In his mouth. And carried them <laughs> into the bed and put them behind Blaze's pillow. And I went, oh, my God, this cat is literally carrying objects around the house. And put and the other day, one of my slippers went missing. The cat had taken my sl- he's still a baby. The cat had taken my slipper and carried it behind a tree in our living room and it was just hidden there. I don't know. This cat is bonkers. And he likes to put things in his water bowl. He's obsessed with water. So I keep finding screws and like little objects, sunglasses. He drops screws? them all in the water bowl. This cat is gonna eat a screw one day. Yeah. Well, also he, like yeah. Uh, this is why so we're dog people in this household and one of the reasons now that i can tack on the list <laughs> is because apparently none of your items are safe it's like having a Neither little with a dog dogs eat them well if you put things high enough though usually unless you're like your dog like counter surfs or whatever like cats have access to everything it's like having a. Uh, I feel like it's akin to having a toddler where you're like, oh, I got to move that. I got to move that before they grab it. I feel like cats can just get anything. Like nothing is safe. But nobody warned uh, me about this aspect of cats. Like I've had cats my whole life. They've never carried hidden our glasses and slippers. Like this is so next level. I mean, I feel like this cat is like a like a reincarnate, like someone who likes to fuck with you. I think this is someone from a past life because this is it's I mean, that's reaching but it's also like i've decided it's true that it's probably like a a familiar or something who's just like hey fuck you i know it's amazing (laughs) it it feels like a fuck you and i mean it's kind of cute when you see it happen i honestly i'm just relieved because at first i was like oh my god there's a ghost like moving our stuff and slamming doors and i'm like okay if it's the cat it's so much easier to blame everything every weird noise Every strange object moving is the cat. Um, There was one night I was watching the show and we all heard footsteps on the stairs, which happens a lot. And I was like, oh, it's Mooney. And then I look over and all three pets are in the bed with me and they all their ears all go up. And I went, well, cool. So there there are still things that happen that I can't blame on Moon. Um, And it's always the stairs. And that's the stairs that staircase that Blaze that one time heard and called me like there's someone in our house. Um, So I don't know what's up with the stairs, but, you know. 
I know what's up with the stairs. Everyone here knows what's up with the stairs. They're fucking haunted, Christine. Are you kidding me? I, I have no idea. What happened? You got them from like a church or something. What are you talking about? Okay, I didn't. The last people who lived there did. All right. It's um, like a weird, like, like everyone's like collaborating to build a really haunted home. Every yeah. every new person brings in a new patch of haunted, and it just the next owner's like, how did it get it's this like a way? vortex? Yeah, it's like Zach Bagan's museum, but like unintended, and I don't get paid for people coming <laughs> over. <laughs> and I, but I still have to sign an eleven-page fucking waiver to walk into that house. I'm okay, sure. that's fair. I will probably set up a waiver. Um, also, before I forget, um, so you know how we've been doing why we drink and what we drink again. Some yeah. people have gotten a little nostalgic and have asked, uh, "Hey, why don't you do milkshake and wine facts anymore?" And so I, I came prepared with a milkshake fact for you because oh. it's been so long and. I just thought, why not do something a little like, you know, a, a harken back to the early days? A harkening. I love that. And to a, to um, answer people's questions of why don't we do that, you try to find 250 milkshake facts. <laughs> it gets really hard. But yeah, okay, so that's, you, you found that's one. part of the problem is that I don't know if we... We could very well have covered this 200 episodes ago and have completely forgotten. Uh, um, okay. So I'm going to say it again, if we did. But I don't think so, because I've never heard about this before. So I found this um, fact. It says, the milkshakes in Rhode Island are thought to be called cabinets because people use people used to keep their blenders in a small wooden cabinet. Rhode Island's cabinets are not like the typical milkshake either. They do not contain ice cream. A cabinet is just milk and flavoring mixed. Okay, well, that's not even a milkshake, so, is it? So a chocolate milk is a cabinet? So like chocolate milk? Yeah, I don't know. So I didn't read I... all the way through until just now. <laughs> <laughs> we were learning together, which is uh, fun. Um, a cabinet? That's odd. I had heard of them being called cabinets, but I didn't know where and I didn't know why. So I... Yeah, Rhode Island is very specific. Like, Interesting. very specific. Um, hmm. It's not just like New England. It's just Rhode Island. That's fun. Well, then in that case, Kraft Mac and Cheese is a cabinet. If I'm just mixing milk and something and that equals a in cabinet. In a blender? Well, I guess not in a blender. Ooh, can you imagine? Um, well, I, I also want to add, um, Eva came up with a good point, too, that we do have a fun fact, which is I'm going to – another fun fact, which is I'm going to give you all a sneak peek as to what the uh, monthly milk sh- milkshake of the month is in our newsletter. And uh, – if you want to sign up for our newsletter, it's super fun. Eva said this is like, I haven't gotten a full look at it yet, but Eva said it's her favorite, I think, ever so far. Ooh! So I'm really excited about it. That's fun. Um, yeah, it's great. Jess is doing an awesome job with those. So if you want to sign up, you can go to andthatswayyoudrink.com. They're free. Um, it just comes to your inbox monthly. And Patreon uh, donors get a separate <clears throat> one uh, through Patreon. But the milkshake of the month, because it's Valentine's Day month, is the Red Velvet Milkshake. Oh, that's fun. Which sounds, uh, that's like my, my jam. Like that sounds so good. Allison's a big red velvet fan. I don't care about it. I'm very on the fence. It doesn't seem like something you'd love. Yeah. If it's there, I'm going to absolutely eat it, but I'm not (laughs) going to order it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would order probably eight of them. Um, (laughs) But, you know. But that's that's... fun. And a milkshake and it gets all like red and swirly. And it reminds me of pork. Uh, Portillo's in Chicago, which, by the way, people ask uh, a lot during Marvel Monday or whenever, whenever they get their hands on me, they'll say what they'll ask what my favorite milkshake is. And I would just like to scream into the void for the thousandth time. Portillo's Chicago. They have the best milkshake because they put a whole fucking slice of cake in their milkshake. What's the flavor? 
It's chocolate, but I imagine you could do the same really easily with this red velvet stuff. If you oh, put yeah. a, red, a slice of red velvet cake in milk and then maybe like an extra couple drops of red food coloring for like the fun of it, it could get real crazy. Yeah. Or you could just put it in a cabinet if you're in Rhode Island. Yeah. Or yeah, you could drink half of it and then leave the rest in a cabinet and just like really get things crazy in your kitchen. And then and get that's all how the cockroaches and That's how you get the cucarachas. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you for listening to my update. That was my, fun. My updated milkshake facts. Um, that was from avivadirectory.com, which Lord knows what that is. Uh, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> thank you. That No, that made me very happy. Oh, good. Uh, a heart anyway. can we shall go. I love it. Oh. So, um, <laughs> yes, that was exactly what I was thinking. So uh, now that we've said a lot of things that make us happy, let's make say things that make us sad. What do you oh, think? Oh, fantastic. I'm in. <clears throat> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, okay, so... And this is uh, this is long again, but this is my final piece. Look at Gia's face. Sorry, he just started just sticking his head out. <laughs> oh, this so see sweet. now he's stuck again. Now he wants me to move the entire table and the plant and the microphone so he can sneak his way out. Uh, you actually, that was perfect timing because Allison texted me at the same time, so I got to do. She two probably heard at you once. talking about her. Probably. If you hear a scream, by the way, she found another cockroach. <gasps> that's, how, that's how you'll know. She's, is that uh, what the text was? 
No, but oh. I. She was just texting me about something else. But every time she does text me now, I'm terrified. It's oh, I see what you're saying. So if we do hear one throughout the episode, that's most likely what's going on. I see. If you if you see me scream and it's not because of your story, it's because of a cockroach tip. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So here is my the finale of my trilogy the that final is final installment. And to give people an idea of the categories we're going through today, because you seem to like them a la Jeopardy last time. Uh <laughs> conspiracy theories how they what they stem from to begin with which is a little bit of uh, an add-on from last week about how people get sucked into this stuff right um and then how did this spread so fast ways it is like a cult and uh how to help someone get out ways it is like a cult sounds like the most jeopardy one like Ways it's like a cult for 400. I think you, p- you so... picked it for 400 last time. I did. I picked it for 200. I decided to up the, <laughs> up the ante t- today. And apologies uh, in case you are someone who likes short episodes. You That is not this one. Um, <laughs> so... I think like for the last five weeks, they've figured out pretty quickly. That's out the window. <laughs> I know. I know. I just I I want them to know that at least I'm aware Okay, conspiracy theories. We're very no- self-aware even when we do st- stupid, stupid things. Yeah. I try. Look, I'm a, try. if it's going to annoy you, I just want to beat you to the punch before I hear about it meanly in a comment one day. It's like, I <laughs> I know, I know, it's not great. Okay, so <laughs> here is conspiracy theories uh, and where they stem from for 100. <laughs> so just to remind people, and if you are choosing to not listen to the first two episodes, bold, um, but here we are. Conspiracy theories stem from fear, anxiety, mistrust, uncertainty, loneliness, powerlessness, uh, especially during social and or political unrest. Um, and then conspiracy theories help fill the psychological needs for people during those times when they are trying to protect themselves or their worldview. And it helps uh, alleviate their doubts and their fears, mm-hmm. a.k.a. conspiracy theories in general, not just QAnon. But one of the main ways that they lure you in is that. They come from grasping at straws when you are desperate for an answer to something you can't control. And given the state of the last year, um, people are looking for a lot of answers about a lot of things that they couldn't control. And there were a lot of straws to pull from. And all those straws became QAnon. (laughs) Um, Bummer. Such a bummer. So another thing that brings a lot of people in it's just a timeless trait of conspiracy theories and which can ultimately lead to cults is that um, it's the us versus them trope with QAnon. It's the fear that evil forces will harm innocent people. And without really saying it so directly, if you join us, you will help save the human race. Yikes. Um, Even if the belief doesn't make a lot of sense, it will still offer an explanation for what's happening in the world. So it's just a way to say like, okay, this even though this feels chaotic, there's a plan, there's a reason for this, and I can sleep better at night. And I looked into a few different articles on the psychology of conspiracy theories and how people fall into this. And a lot of people, there was one I read from Cambridge that said, there are three main benefits to conspiracy thinking. And the three benefits can be categorized into epistemic, existential, and social. So epistemic, the benefit is that it provides an order to events that you can't control, gives you Mm. an explanation. 
The existential benefit is that it distracts you from social tension because you're focusing on something else. Okay. And the social benefit is that it provides you a community to help validate all of your fears. So just to make that easier um, to swallow or to remember, the three main benefits of conspiracy thinking are that they relieve, distract, and validate your anxieties. Interesting. That's so fascinating. Okay. Thank you. Oh, my God. Okay. It is. I, I mean, this is one of my favorite series you've ever covered. I say that a lot when you cover things, but this is just so fascinating to me. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I the the articles that I was reading were not in a bad way, but they were just very flowery. And I was like, okay, how do I make this kind of like a bite-sized thing? But it, yeah, so, so Christine the cockroach can actually <laughs> understand what's going on. Um, so the three main benefits are relieving, distracting, and validating. Cool. So I mentioned this last time when we had our rousing conversation about anti-Semitism. Wasn't uh, that fun? Wasn't that fun? <laughs> oh, wow. I've never lost more sleep wondering if I offended wow. somebody. I, um, I remember I well I remember I was editing the episode and I just every time I've sa- I I responded it was mm because mm, <laughs> mm, I was we were like both I, terrified. Yeah, I was like I feel like Ev's got this covered and I'm not going to insert myself. I'm just going to like understand I, and look, agree and go I yeah. I am Jewish and I so I like you know in theory that means that I would be less least likely to offend other people in my community or something but i i was terrified that i yeah. was not doing it right well, so especially because even if you're in the community it doesn't you can mean still say you really are fucked like, up things yeah. yeah it doesn't mean you're like totally immune to you know being respectful yeah you would no, th- i think I, you did a great job i was really hoping people would be like well M's Jewish, so they know what they're talking about. But then, like, <laughs> uh, that was my fear. I was like, hopefully, like, people at least could lean into that if I said something offensive. I really hope I didn't. But, um, but no, you're right. Like, even if you are, I didn't Jewish, even have that could... benefit. I was just like, I'm gonna just sit back and uh, embrace yes, this. Just because you are Jewish does not mean you can't also have anti-Semitic views. So, right, right. I no one is no one uh, gets a, a pass. Gets on a free that, pass. So. Yeah. So anyway. Just like how I mentioned anti-Semitism last time, let's reopen the wound and talk about it again real quick. Oh, okay. Rousing. Let's re-rouse it. Got it. <laughs> let's, re- let's get re-roused. Yikes. Okay. Um, so QAnon wants you to think that these beliefs are new, but they're fucking not. Um, <laughs> they, a lot of people are like, this is the, the conspiracy theory for the ages. And it's like, like revolutionary although, or something. Yeah. And yeah. Al- although that may be true in some ways, it's certainly not because of their beliefs. Like, right, it's, right, like, right. <laughs> the, it's the same classic fringe beliefs, but with a modern twist. It's it's basically, um, like the game telephone, you know, sure. like. So most conspiracy theories aren't new. They're just how I wrote it. Remixed for this generation. Um, Remix. And so uh, remix for this generation's fears and this generation's unrest. So in this case, it would be human trafficking is a big thing we talk about a lot. So they found the the anxiety of this generation and rewrote mm-hmm. the, the same script for a new audience. Right. For example, that, you know, talking about global bankers and drinking kids' blood, you know, that's, wow, where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah, for the last, unfortunately, for the last thousand <laughs> fucking years. Um, and so there's a lot of anti-Semitic tropes on blood libel, which I talked about last time. Also, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that QAnon is so alluring and why conspiracy theories in general are alluring is because uh, they will find a way to 
work off of your emotions. And in this case, they were telling people that kids are being harmed, which is just a timeless way to rally people together um, because it triggers outrage. It's juicy enough to spread Mm -hmm. on its own. And with it being vague enough, you can almost write it however traumatically you want. So you can, you know, pull on people's vulnerabilities and really sucker them in. Also, when challenged, uh, they will rationalize their worldview and anxieties however they need to to make it make sense, which I find ironic because that means this group of people are building themselves a safe space every time they get challenged, which the people who make Mm -hmm. fun of all of us in our safe spaces and being snowflakes or whatever, the second that there's an inconsistency in their belief system, they'll double down and freak out because psychologically what's happening is they're building, they're trying to maintain the safe space they've created for themselves. Sure. So um, Freud, who is often, you know, not right. (laughs) LMAO. (laughs) uh, In this case he is. So there's, he has one theory on errors versus illusions. Um, And an error is a lack of knowledge or poor logic, a.k.a. you were wrong because you didn't have the evidence in front of you or you didn't stand corrected when challenged. Illusions or delusions is wishful thinking, very wishful thinking to a point of just complete denial of reality. So you know that it's a conspiracy theory versus doing your own research when empirical evidence doesn't do anything for you. You're just sticking with what your original claim was. Um, yeah. And so it's basically a lot of psychologists have called it motivated reasoning, because even if something sounds wild, it makes more sense to them if it means they get to keep accepting the world that they've built for themselves. Got it. OK. Um, and a lot of that comes with like like COVID, for example, if you are so afraid of getting COVID, it's a lot easier than it's, it's a lot easier to just pretend it doesn't exist. Because then at least you can't get it that way. So there's sure. a there's a lot of projecting involved. There's a lot of finger pointing and like blaming the other. It's like, oh, well, COVID isn't real. You made it up. You made it up because you just want to scare us. It's like, no, COVID's fucking real. And you're just afraid to face reality. So what QAnon also ends up doing is justifying projecting your fears on other people, which reinforces an us versus them and just makes the wedge mm-hmm. further and further. Or the wedge bigger and bigger. So this conspiracy theory, QAnon, what's interesting about this is it's very different than other conspiracy theories that happened before this, especially the ones that were pre-internet. And so I'm just going to say real quick some of the reasons why this has been even more problematic than other conspiracy theories slash cults up until now compared to cults before the internet. So first of all, This is kind of a smaller one that I thought of, but I think it deserves to be mentioned because there are people out there exploiting victims of cults. With the internet, public figures can get involved because they want the views or the monetization. So you don't even have to be a believer at this point. If you hear about it and have an audience, you can spread misinformation by accident and you're also reaping financial benefits from it. Basically, if you fall into people's algorithms, I'm spe- I'm speaking specifically about um, YouTubers because there have been a lot of people who came from QAnon and have been spreading things specifically through YouTube in uh-huh. video series or um, things like that. And when it comes to reaping the benefits of QAnon, there's been a lot of talk of people that are spreading these videos or creating this content. They don't even believe in it. They think it's complete bullshit, but they know other people do believe in it, and they're working oh. off of that. 
So that's like extra fucked up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, like I said last time, and this is not me pointing fingers specifically at these three people, but an example is how some people think that QAnon is one of the three original Redditors who brought it mm-hmm. to YouTube. And then people, there's a group of people who think like, well, they don't even believe in QAnon. They just wanted to pump their own, you know, narrative and, you know, maybe they're just doing it for numbers or whatever. There's a, it's, it's all alleged, but it is something worthy to pay like noteworthy to pay attention to of like if enough people believe this thing and you want to gain numbers all you gotta do is talk about that thing to those people whether or not you agree with them totally you have your audience built in yeah and because of the algorithm especially people being at home and using their internet more than ever and the algorithm being even more accurate much quicker than usual Mm. you're getting especially with conspiracy theories it's extra dangerous because your audience comes from the algorithms of multiple people with different interests that can all fall into your audience. So it's not just people that believe in QAnon. It's people like me who are fucking researching it for the benefit of the good, or it's truth seekers or it's true crime fans, or it's people who have a fascination with cults. A lot of our audience, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of our audience who could genuinely be looking up information, not because they're falling into a trap, but because they just want to know about it for the sake of fascination and all of a sudden you're getting videos like this that can slowly seep into your way of thinking um totally so i just wanted to say that and i am aware of the very really really thick irony here of that like i am in in some ways a public figure that is in some ways monetizing on us talking about QAnon right now. Um, so when I'm talking about like public figures getting involved, even if they don't believe in it, I, I hear it. But I would argue that we're trying to educate people away from it versus <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if that's the same thing. <laughs> I just I as I was like writing those notes, I was like, oh, this feels kind of gross because like we literally have a podcast and we're talking about but this. That's our whole podcast. I mean, I, I discuss crime and murder every week so it's just endlessly like talking about horrible horrible things which technically we do as a career but i mean i like to at least think hopefully it's true that we do it in a more educational like awareness type way than like hey join us i like to think so too i just i felt kind of i just want to address that i felt a little hypocritical writing it because i was like i'm almost like shaming public figures for spreading awareness on like random topics and it's like Okay, well, hello, hi. But <laughs> but yeah, so there are a lot of people who are doing it for nefarious reasons. Right. And if you are an influencer or a creator, and this is also a PSA to people out there who want to become influencers or creators, and your interest happens to be true crime, and now you want to do a YouTube video about QAnon, and you think it's going to be like funny and entertaining because it's about lizard people, you have to be really aware of the message that's coming across and the outreach or... The, the amount of people that you could reach with your video. Because if you think you're just doing a silly little video, but you haven't done your research, you could be spreading this information to people who are really taking your video seriously. So it's just another way. It's just one of the ways that the internet has infiltrated this conspiracy theory because people on purpose or completely inadvertently mm. can be reaching the masses and accidentally sucking them into something that they, that's not totally. the intention. 
So I'm sorry for getting on my soapbox there, but that was kind of a half PSA. You were half... almost like getting off. You were almost like getting off your soapbox. Oh, okay, You're good. like, I'm going to step off my soapbox and say, I know what I'm saying. Well, perfect. <laughs> I, I just, I, if you are a content creator out there and you're like, I'm going to do a QAnon video, this is me urging you to please not sound like QAnon, but do your research because someone out there is listening and eager to learn more because of your video or your content or whatever it is. So just interesting. Okay. Quote public figure. If we're calling ourselves that to other public figures, please just be aware of how you are presenting research. Sure. Sure. Um, For the safety of the people, because there are a lot of people losing it right now. So one of the ways with the internet is public figures getting involved in taking advantage of those who are already manipulated into this. Another thing is how radicalized people can become with random content, like even memes. They're easily editable. They're easily shareable Mm. within seconds, arguably, depending on what account it's on. Thousands of people can see it right away. It's just like the fastest way to spread content, not memes necessarily, but posting anything. I mean, the way that information is being spread is insane. This isn't a normal conspiracy theory or fringe group where there's 50 people on a plot of land and you just hype each other up like it's not 50 people now it's right everybody is getting access to this shit and within a day like x amount of people are now looking at this information and some of them are gonna fall for it yeah um so how it spreads so fast beyond the internet first of all it already had some traction because of pizzagate and you know, QAnon started back in 2017. So I do forget that there are people who have been in this movement for years. But this wasn't necessarily a brand new thing. This was already for years kind of infiltrating Reddit. Um, People were aware of it. There were a bunch of accounts that did talk about it. We just weren't paying attention. And by 2018, which I mentioned last time in the midterm elections, QAnon was considered mainstream because enough people had kind of rallied together with this belief system. So by 2018, it really started blowing up. And when I say blowing up, I mean, Time Magazine listed it as one of the 25 most influential people on the internet. Um, what? <laughs> it was Wait, like, like listed Q as or just? Q QAnon or Q. I, oh, the, wow. Okay. As one of, the, I would say Q the person. I wrote all my notes in shorthand where Q means Q and QAnon. So I, I see. don't okay. remember which one it is, but I would imagine they're talking about Q, the person. The individual, the, yeah. The top secret clearance Who guy. started all this bullshit, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being that Reddit guy in the basement being like, oh my god, Time listed me as one of the top 25. Yeah, and I can't even say I anything. can't <laughs> even brag about it. Blaze and I just went to a New Year's wedding, and we have one coming up next weekend. Not a New Year's wedding, but another friend's wedding. And I just love weddings. I feel like I've said that so many times at this point, and that's why I always love telling you all about Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website to a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team, everything on Zola is designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts you actually want, Zola takes you from save our date to thanks so much without breaking a sweat. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go. Zola really has become the sort of one-stop shop for wedding planning. I used Zola when I got married, and it was an indispensable tool. I could not, I swear to you, I could not have gotten half of the stuff done that I did without Zola on my side. But now, Zola, I'm only a little bit bitter, has so many more amazing tools. They have an app. They have all sorts of stuff like that That wedding vendor discovery tool. You know, that is really cool. I, I kind of want to go back. Blaze, should we get married again? 
Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Anyway, so it's the masses are finding out about it. There was an app that came out called Q Drops, which was just meant to release breadcrumbs in an easier way. Um, it was the number one popular paid app in entertainment um, when it first came me. out. Um, oh that, just in the entertainment section of Apple, it was the number one most popular. But uh, it was overall, like world popularity, it was number 10. It's been taken down. But, you know, this is just to show you, like, how fast they were really getting into, like, I mean, Apple was involved. Yeah, I mean, that's really sobering. Like, yeah, number one in entertainment. Yeah. And also, this is, like, I I am someone who goes on Reddit. So I'm not trying to, like, poo-poo on Reddit. But when Reddit has a... uh, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, it's got kind of a grimy feel to it, where if you find something on Reddit, I usually think like, oh, well, that's not entirely like a credible source. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain facets of Reddit, you got to be careful like who you're talking to or what they're saying. And, you know, it's not super reliable. But then it goes from Reddit in 2017 to by a year later, QAnon, like Time Magazine, Apple, like people are talking about this shit. Right. And so it just goes to show you that it's a reminder that falling for these conspiracy theories and things like that, it's very insidious to a point where it's showing itself in real time in everyday life and you don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, so just a reminder that to not shame the victims because anyone can fall into this. Uh, so it already had traction, at least enough that people could find information relatively easily by 2018. And the perfect storm, there's like four main ingredients to this horrible recipe it's I'm, I'm gonna get into the four spots but i do really quickly want to say that uh a summary of what QAnon is i found three really good quotes and i just couldn't pick between them so i wanted to read them all here before i start breaking things down but uh a reminder that we've talked about it in the last few episodes that QAnon is a compilation of pretty much every conspiracy theory so if you have a crazy belief quote crazy belief um, you're likely to fall for it. And everyone's got a crazy belief. So everyone's susceptible and everyone's at risk. So here are three uh, really good quotes I found summarizing what QAnon is. If the internet is one big rabbit hole containing infinitely recursive rabbit holes, QAnon has somehow found its way down all of them, gulping up lesser conspiracy theories as it goes. Yeah. Another one is... The QAnon conspiracy isn't appealing because it's a coherent narrative, but because it's a grab bag of moral panics that have all been squashed together to create a rat king conspiracy. Wow. Wow. And then the last one is, if you believe anything off the beaten path, you're welcome to the family. So, yeah, that is really telling. Yeah. So it's just, there's a reason in 2017, it was like a post on Reddit and now it's 
like we have to worry about the percentage of people who believe in this. Like it's so easy to fall Completely. into this. Yeah. So um, because QAnon is such a massive umbrella, um, it can accommodate almost anyone's weird belief. And one thing that one thing that helps QAnon gain followers is that, like I said, everyone has a weird belief, and yours has already been justified. They've already found reasons for almost every conspiracy theory to make sense. Uh-huh. So if I'm into time travel and I find a, a group of people who are like, "Oh, we have evidence for that." And you trust them as a community, you're probably not checking or, you know, looking at your own research. You're just kind of blindly following. And they're giving you answers for how your weird belief is correct. For your it's, specific interest. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's very sinister because there's so many beliefs that not only are you falling into your own faction, but every faction kind of has its own weird fringe extreme beliefs, but they won't lead with that. So if I'm looking at time travel over here, I'm not noticing all these other little Uh conspiracy theories seeping into the folds. And by the time I'm fully invested and I look in the rearview mirror, all of a sudden I have fallen for all these other random beliefs. So it's like a like a conspiracy theory lasagna where like (laughs) and it's also like sleight of hand magic because you really can be looking at this thing and not even notice that this thing is seeping into your worldview. So by the time you are aware of it, it's too late. Also, I, I'm just putting this in here really quick. I think it's, I'm not saying this is how it happens, but I imagine at least one person has this, quote, excuse or reasoning behind why they ended up falling into QAnon. I remember every single person in the last year just being like, it's 2020, like anything could happen and I wouldn't be right. shocked. Right. Or people being like, it's 2020, you could tell me anything and I'd believe it. And honestly, a lot of weird shit happened that lizard people are like kind of not the craziest. So like it. To me, I'm like, okay, sure, fucking lizard people. I I can't be surprised anymore. I mean, if the things that happened in 2020, if we had, somebody had said, oh, guess what's going to happen next year in 2019, we would be like, okay, lock this person up. Like, they're losing it. Yeah. So I think it it really was, this isn't even mentioned in like the psychology of how people are getting sucked into QAnon, but it's just a personal note that like, we were all so broken by last year. (laughs) We were really fucking broken as people. And the human mind should not go through the year we fucking went through as a society. And I think that was kind of like half the job was already done. And that we we were were, like primed for it. We were so willing to just any answer would fucking do like, how did this happen? So any community, any answer, any explanation, anyone, anyone that was going to validate a theory Mm -hmm. on how the hell this world is the way it is. And like any, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that that was everyone's way of thinking, but I wouldn't be shocked if someone was like, you know what? My reason of how I got into QAnon, it was fucking 2020. I'd be like, okay, that fucking checks out. Yeah, My life was upside down already, you know? Yeah. So anyway, there's that. Also uh, another part to this recipe beyond that. It's just like a, conglomerate basically of conspiracy theories is that it was a movement that's telling you to do your own research and trust nobody who doubts you even if they're people in your own group which like only makes the people who you do trust even stronger with you and reinforces the community it's ironic to me because i feel like that should tear the community apart but you're just finding specific people to really latch on to but whatever your opinion is about anything, it's already going to be validated by somebody. You just have to find the right people to really suck yourself in with. Even if the do your own research quote or concept, even if that meant do the research that I did, not the research you want to do, but do the research I did because, you know, validate my belief. Now you could be 
it's just it's just uh, such a wild concept that I've been talking about for three fucking weeks with everybody. So I'm sorry. But like, I've never seen a conspiracy theory like this or from all the research nobody has where like the conspiracy theory itself is that everybody but you is wrong unless they agree with you. So if everybody thinks that, then everybody is wrong. But no, so you can't trust anybody even in your own group. But that's also but that's also the thing that everyone is bonding over is that we can't trust anyone. <laughs> even you. Like it's it makes it's just wild. So on top of having no ability to trust people, having any of your conspiracy theories being immediately justified, mm-hmm. and now having a community that's going to uh, tell you that all of your opinions are right, you know, however, whatever that means. Then we've got social media, which I have touched on a lot, but now this is like my real section where I just completely roast social media. <laughs> um, so real quick, here is a survey that was done right before the lockdown. Um, I guess QAnon was already had enough traction that they were doing surveys about QAnon before it became an issue. But so there was a Pew Research survey that happened at the beginning of 2020. So before the lockdown, before COVID, before people were really getting sucked into the shit. 3% of Americans said that they had heard or read a lot about QAnon. Only 3%. Okay. Within the first six months of 2020. So that would be what? June. So three months of being locked inside. Mm-hmm. After three months of being locked inside, uh, there was another Pew Research survey where 47% of Americans had heard of QAnon. What's even worse is that three months later, by September 2020, so this is six months in lockdown, 25 to 30% of of people said that QAnon was partly or mostly true. Oh, my goodness. Which is is a quarter to a third based on the survey you're looking at. Talk about viral. I mean, yeah, uh, spot on Um, or almost a a quarter to almost a third. But yeah, so that's uh, no days in lockdown was three percent of people. Three months in lockdown was 47. And another three months in lockdown was a quarter of the world thought it was true. Not just heard of it, but thought part of it was true. Which so means- this is the world, not just the U.S.? Or, uh, sorry, Americans. I'm sorry. Oh, so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I was like, holy cannoli. They were all American. So that's interesting because it means in the first three months of lockdown, almost half of Americans had at least heard of QAnon. But three months later, a quarter of Americans wow. kind of believed it. Wow. So even though the number is lower, the impact is more serious. So well, and you have to remember, like in June, also there was so much social unrest that kind of right. blew up for months, and that probably fed massively because that's when I started reading about QAnon. That's was so true. During the social unrest. Um, there were also, I'm just going to say now, there were a lot of other surveys that I planned on sharing the statistics on in this, but to be uh, in it all about people's beliefs in QAnon. To be honest, it was so anxiety-inducing that I just didn't include the information because it really made me lose a lot of faith in humanity. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, let's just say a a horrifying and humiliating amount of people really are so vulnerable to this world. Yeah. Which is just my way of coaxing the people who have lost loved ones to this. You are not alone at fucking no. all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've said this earlier too, but... Just to remind everybody, in case you don't remember how 2020 went, um, folks were locked inside. There was nothing to do during what I consider one of modern history's most stressful times. Um, People were confused. People were scared. People needed social interaction. People were spending all fucking day on social media, more than they used to. 
And they were just getting royally fucked by these insidious algorithms. Like, royally fucked. And then they were, (laughs) through those algorithms, they were spiraling downward a rabbit hole that they could not climb out of, especially when a lot of them were digitally illiterate, like baby boomers, who thought they were properly fact-checking or thought they knew how the algorithms were working and how they could get out of those algorithms. And so a lot of people just got... I mean, you didn't stand a chance, basically. If you looked up one video about it and it's in your algorithm and you don't really know how to like shift gears and look at other content for a little bit to change up the, your platform's algorithm, you're fucked. And so there were panicked people. This is most of the people who got sucked into QAnon first. They were really panicked, especially about COVID. But because COVID was so new, there was no information yet. Mm-hmm. So experts didn't have answers, at least answers people wanted to hear. And uh, it truly i can attest this felt like it was the end of the fucking world when this all started (laughs) um and when people were looking for answers the only answers that they could really find were on social media from uncredible sources because actual scientists were busy getting the real information for you and i would also argue by the way that a lot of experts were working day and night to get you information as soon as possible but it wasn't fast enough for people to Mm feel like they were getting the answers or it wasn't being disseminated properly by the powers that perfect (laughs) okay you get it yes um so when looking for answers they would end up on social media a lot of those ended up becoming QAnon accounts and it just got spread really quickly to people's algorithms because like i said last week and i said also just now too if you believe anything QAnon is subtle and vague enough that it can slip into any belief so even people sure. our age are now being affected by it because they're part of like new age or uh energy pages and energy accounts and you know more of the the woo woo stuff the granola stuff right um if you're into also conspiracy theories or if you're into even something as simple as like crystals and things like that like it's so easy <laughs> For someone who kind of believes in fringe QAnon stuff to just show up on your page and then you're screwed. Um, People were getting QAnon information from everywhere, whether that was Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, many alt-right apps. So like Parler and Gab are talking about that stuff. Mm. And eventually it's just hard to not pay attention to because even if something sounded kind of fringe and extreme to you on one page, it's just like psychology, like the proximity effect of if you see it enough times out of sheer curiosity, you're going to kind of look at it. And then eventually the internet thinks that's what you like to look at and then it's all you're being shown. So um, it's it's hard to not pay attention over time, especially when you've got nothing to do but look at the internet and just see what's going on. Basically, by March 2020 and the lockdown, there was an immediate massive spike in Facebook numbers to QAnon accounts. I saw one poll that said QAnon uh, accounts, there were originally 200,000 searches or 200,000 follows or people hits. hits. Um <laughs> Within that month, it went from 200,000 to 1.5 million. Oh, boy. Another quote. I think this one was about Instagram. This might. Uh, no, no, no. This was Facebook. In just four months, membership of the biggest public QAnon groups rose by 700%. Oh, my goodness. Also, QAnon activity tr- nearly tripled on Facebook. It nearly doubled on Instagram and Twitter. A lot of this, not only were we all inside looking for answers, people were on Reddit for even more hours than they were before and algorithms were catching up. But on top of all of that, when people were inside, a documentary showed up on YouTube. I think it was on YouTube that reintroduced us to Pizzagate. 
which is aha, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was in April, and by June was when Pizzagate became this like huge massive thing all over again. So now we're just reopening that wound while everyone's bored inside and doom scrolling basically. Yeah, yeah. Um. So by June 2020. Hashtag Pizzagate on TikTok, apparently, was, quote, viewed more than 82 million times. Oh, my gosh. And so another quote is, in the first week of June, comments, likes, and shares of Pizzagate also spiked to more than 800,000 on Facebook and nearly 600,000 on Instagram, which is interesting because when Pizzagate was at its actual peak in 2016, Pizzagate only like comments, likes, and shares only got to 93,000. And wow. So in 2016, it got 93,000 hits. And 2020, when it got reopened and everyone was inside, Pizzagate went from 93,000 hits to spiking to 600,000. Wow. So it really took off the second time yeah. around. Man. Second time around, it was more popular, even though I'm sure that poor fucking pizza place was oh. like, I thought we were done with this. I thought um, we had brushed that as finally put that behind us. <laughs> also, there were two videos that also came out during the pandemic that really spread QAnon information. One was called Plandemic, aka the pandemic is a plan and a hoax and Great. a setup. The other was Fall Cabal, which was a 10 part video series that I'm pretty sure was like an intro into QAnon. And I never saw it. I tried to find it. Honestly, I just didn't want to watch 10 fucking videos on this. No? Um, That's No. Uh, But I'm assuming it was kind of like a QAnon 101 and it kind of like slowly got you involved in all of this. So anyway, those two were very powerful. I would say if you're a QAnon family or you have a QAnon belief system, those are like household names now, those two videos. That's what I'm gathering. I'm I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it felt like that because a lot of people talked about those two videos and how it helped them get involved uh-huh. um and it got to a point where once people were realizing how dangerous QAnon is representatives for these platforms were saying that uh they were going to start removing accounts uh and they were more or less on it i have quite an opinion on this um just because i think i'm primed to be angry i want to be angry at somebody because of how dangerous QAnon got mm-hmm. But I, I, and so I want to blame social media for not doing something about it. But then there's like, what could they have done? Like without there really being like some sort of issue well, against. Facebook's in huge trouble about that. Right. Still. And I, and I, it's a weird controversial topic in that like, I don't want to suggest that like, I'm not for freedom of speech, but at the same time, like there should have been policy, in my opinion, there should have been policy set in place a lot earlier. And um Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to let people freedom of speech. It's another thing to say, like, you're spreading dangerous and false yes. news, like news presented as news media yeah. that is harming people. I mean, and I and I'm I'm just super sensitive to it because I literally have been reading this shit for almost a month now, a nonstop. Yeah. So I'm just like, how did nobody fucking do something about this? And I would, from what I saw, from what I read I feel comfortable saying that I feel like a lot of these social media platforms were very reluctant to do anything about it until oh, yeah. it was too late. Um, oh, yeah. And so I just like don't want like any like someone to fucking sue me. But I, I feel no, like there- I don't think I mean, I think this is a hugely popular belief now that like okay, Mark cool. Zuckerberg fucked us all with his like refusal to act or do anything. Right. And and yeah. And 
I would I would definitely blame Mark Zuckerberg. I also would say everybody is accountable in some way and didn't nail it on the first try. I would you could make that you can make a claim about any social media platform that they didn't do enough fast enough. Um, but they are starting to finally change their policies. They have banned certain accounts. Um, one of the policies that they put in place was that there would be they would change up the algorithm so that they wouldn't necessarily show you. They weren't taking down the videos, but they were rerouting your algorithms to show you different content. Okay. So I mean, like, okay, this is how okay. I think about it. On Instagram, they you're not allowed to post a picture of a boob. If you're breastfeeding, you. you can't show a nipple. That's a that's not allowed. Thank that's you. immediately banned. Your account can be banned. And yet, like, oh, it's freedom of speech if you're posting about like how you know any of this above anti-Semitism and you know what I mean. Like, I just think it's bullshit when people are like, it's freedom of speech, and it's like, but then you show uh, someone breastfeeding or just even somebody somebody's boobs or menstrual blood, and people are like, oh God, how can you show this? to children it's like well look what you're showing to children anyway that's my christine 316 is what that bible verse was in case you need to check back (laughs) um but no you were absolutely right i think there is a lot of uh hypocrisy in terms of what is censored and what is not um and thank you i guess social media for doing something about it now kind of but i'm still not super duper pleased Especially because before they started setting these policies, which is super duper recent compared Mm -hmm. to what it should have been, these algorithms, Trevor Noah did a really good bit about this too, where he was saying that the algorithms were only a few clicks away, like with, he didn't say this number, but you could pretty much guess around like five clicks into video going down the rabbit hole, you ended up on QAnon content. Mm, Wow. And so just because if you're... The way that he phrased it was like, if you're into alternate health, maybe you're anti-vax. If you're anti-vax, maybe you're conservative. If you're conservative, maybe you're into Trump. If you're into Trump, here's some QAnon information. So it's like so fucking quickly within an afternoon, all of a sudden you're on QAnon content. And I mean, that happened with that one woman I mentioned last time who she's an ex-QAnon member and she got in because she was into energies and crystals and frequencies. And she clicked on a page that said, you might like the Great Awakening. And it's, you know, it's how easy is that? So uh, because everyone has niche interests and QAnon is so varied already, anyone can fall in. Um, It's really easy for the algorithm to access a lot of people all at once. And extremism experts actually are shocked at how fast people are getting radicalized. Even like with like the knowledge of what the Internet is, they're still shocked at how fast people are getting radicalized Um, since everybody was... One of the big reasons, I think, and how this shows itself is very culty or how maybe even this could have just been a fringe conspiracy theory. And I think what made it culty is that it is social media and the Internet. I think that might have been the the real kick in the crotch it needed, I guess, as I'm going to yeah. call it, um, because <laughs> during this pandemic, oh, I think the pandemic plus social media was the real uh, firestorm here because Everybody was already physically isolated from their social circles while they were learning about this stuff. And half the job of a cult is fucking done. You're already not near people. And like, yeah, you've got FaceTime and you've got texting and all this, but you're not doing your regular, hey, let's go to brunch. Oh, by the way, I saw this thing on the Internet. You don't have people. You didn't have people consistently taking Mm -hmm. you off of the QAnon ledge. Uh, sure yeah like, like they normally would and or also, like any sort of rationalizing or like be, like yeah pulling it back 
by the time you were telling people about it, you hadn't seen them in months. Let's just put it that way. Or you're texting or you catch up every now and then, but like you're not sitting down with people face to face and saying, this right. is what I'm starting to believe. What do you think about that? What do you think? Right, exactly. Um, And also, like, let's just be clear. You, me, everyone that probably listens to this, at least a very large majority of people who listen to this, suffer from either depression and or anxiety. And I would guess that a lot of people who listen to this show who deal with that, like you and I do, have also experienced when you are depressed or when you have anxiety, you fucking don't talk to anybody. You just shut people out. You don't text people back. You don't. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's really hard to find the social energy or the mental energy to socialize. And if you're inside and your only way of interacting with other people is through FaceTime and all this, and you're too depressed because of how the world is going, you're not reaching out to anybody. I'm telling you, if we didn't have the podcast, I wouldn't have texted you during this pandemic. And it's nothing against you. It's just I'm too fucking depressed. I'm like no. so miserable. I, mean, you, I don't even I, I don't even get on a phone to call my doctor, let alone no, like, exactly. talk to people. Yeah, my no, no, my no. own best friends back at home, I barely talk to them. And it's just because I have secluded myself. And so yeah. even if you are talking to i'm saying what are you going to talk about you have a phone call and it's like well how are you dealing with the pandemic same old same old i mean it ends up just being like another draining bummer exactly like what are you doing you can't talk about your vacation to bali like so exactly so my my argument or my the point i'm leading to but i am tan tangenting i guess is that uh even if you aren't seeing people for brunch and catching up with them and that's how they can talk you off the ledge one big argument could be, well, you can still text people and FaceTime them. And this argument is me being like, buddy, I still don't fucking do that. So like no. if I were secluded by myself and this is all I'm fucking reading and I'm I'm isolated, I'm completely alienated from people, whether or not I even meant for it to happen. Right. And now I have this whole wild belief system that now when I catch up with my friend and they're like, whoa, you sound a little crazy all of a sudden. It's very easy to kick them out because you weren't talking to them anyway. Right. So it's like they don't get it like my online friends get it. Exactly. Exactly. So I hope I didn't offend anybody with my jibber jabber about, you know, depression and anxiety. But I would like to think a lot of people. Self-isolating is very common. Yeah. I would like to think a lot of people have been in our shoes before and and experienced something like that. So that just goes against the argument of like, you're still not socializing, even with the very few resources we currently have. So exactly. So anyway, between there being all the social media, no interaction with people, at least in my case, there wouldn't be any interaction with fucking people. Um, when you combine the accuracy of social algorithms, us being inside all day, completely secluding ourselves from people who aren't falling for the same media or information, People are becoming radicalized literally within weeks. So mm. I talked about this within I talked about this in the first episode that I covered on QAnon. And I talked about this woman named Jessica Prim. Right. And she was one of the crimes that ha- that QAnon has come to be responsible for. And uh Jessica Prim live streamed her arrest. Uh she was looking for a navy hospital ship that she thought was where a bunch of like trafficked children were being held or Oof. something like that but and she also kind of started um she brought knives with her I guess to like defend herself or like get the Oof. kids out however she needed to basically she ended up getting arrested people looked back at her th- at her posts and she, they 
there were threats about um, Hillary Clinton and Biden. And because she had, I mean, she was fully radicalized thinking that she was going to be this lone wolf vigilante who was going to go save these children off of a ship. And she, and she was the one who was screaming at the cops the whole time about like, have you heard about the kids? I need to wake up and all this stuff. Right. Yikes. Goose cam. So there was a West Point study done on her. And from her first interaction with QAnon material online, whether that was like the first post she saw or the first page she joined or whatever, from that to her being fully radicalized was 20 days. Oh, so from that to her to so, this so from, crime was 20 days? Yeah. So from, wow. from her just like being on Facebook and like joining a group like The Great Awakening to showing up on a navy pier about to stab people to save children from a human trafficking ship 20 days wow that is unsettling so i will say i will add the caveat i don't know anything else about her there could have been mental illness involved there could have been something this is a like a one person study so i don't know if there were any other influences that caused this but it didn't sound like that. It sounded like everyone who knew her before was like, yeah. what the fuck happened to her? This is not what we're used to. Um, I don't know enough about it to make a, a clear opinion. I will just say from what the study says, it is shocking. Yeah. Um, so after the skyrocket in QAnon popularity, uh, I talked about a Vice documentary I watched. I think it's actually a multi-part series. Um, I only watched one video, though. But they spoke to Angelo Caruso, who is the president of a a media watchdog nonprofit and they have been tracking QAnon since the beginning. And they, the filmmakers asked Angelo, they were like, so what do you think, how many people do you think QAnon has influenced lately? Like, uh, like what do you think the most recent number is? And he said, he's the literal president of this company that has been watching QAnon since the beginning. And he was, he said, quote, overall, I would put it at about 10 to 15% of the population, which is 33 to 50 million people. And what is that number he's saying is 10 to f- is those are the people that have been affected by QAnon. So that doesn't mean they're completely like, I believe in lizard people extremists, but they at least have their foot in the door. I'm assuming they at least have their foot in the door into QAnon wow. or have been touched in some way by QAnon. Um, he said 10 to 15 percent of the population, which would be 33 to 50 million, um, which is a. A ballpark guesstimate from the docu- from the from the filmmakers before they even spoke to him, they thought it was somewhere around thirty million. And for him to say ten to fifteen percent, and it's even more than thirty million, is just wild. Jeez, how many so, million is it again? Sorry. So in the U.S., there's I I looked it up last night to double check. It was like three hundred twenty-eight million, three hundred twenty-nine million, and there, according to this guy who's in charge of the media watchdog company. 33 to 50 million people. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So pretty terrifying. Um, So here are the political consequences. We could really get into this, but it's going to be shorter than you think. So the, the notion that conspiracy thinkers could gain significant political power is sadly not new. All the way back to like the 1800s, people who were first joining the Freemasons thought that the Freemasons would rule the world one day or already did rule the world and they were just finding out about it. And that year, the Freemasons actually gained 10% of the House of Representatives. So oh boy, oh boy, it's just, uh, yeah, it was forever ago, but it's just to prove that history repeats itself uh-huh. and all you need is numbers and things start to change power starts to get shifted 
Um, so it's very reasonable to be worried that QAnon followers could gain significant political power in the future, especially since some of those followers already have as as of this last election. Um, the big one people have been talking about is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who won the House seat in Georgia, um, who... Uh, yikes. Um, yikes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all I'm going to fucking say. Um, and so many other candidates uh, in this last election either like posted QAnon content, commented on QAnon content, just flat out fucking said they were for QAnon, like a shocking amount of people. Um, yeah. Not saying all of them ended up winning spaces um, in the last election, but it's enough people who were running felt emboldened enough yeah. to not be yeah. shy about it. Yeah. Um, and so... Anyway, I mean, they were literally getting in- endorsed by literal politicians and shit, uh, this QAnon group. So um, anyway, when Trump and his circle continued to not denounce QAnon, but instead give it supportive remarks or kind of flirt with the idea that they're real and he's for it, or he was following and retweeting and liking posts, his own campaign pictures, there was some QAnon uh, propaganda in there. Um And there was uh, another media monitoring group called Media Matters for America. And they said that Trump's re-election actually, I don't know why this is surprising to me, but Trump's re-election relied on a lot of QAnon socials, uh, on social platforms to do a lot of fear mongering and spreading the good news, if you will, of what QAnon is. Um, This is a quote that says, What happens when a nation's leader is conspiratorial? People who are susceptible to conspiracy theories become manipulated and go into overdrive because a person in power finally represents them, Mm. which is what makes this so dangerous because the more people with political power that feel free and safe of consequence to announce that QAnon is fucking real, all it's going to do is take all these other QAnon people and be like, well, they said it's okay. And and look how far they are. No one would take them seriously if they weren't telling the truth. So anyway, it just makes all of QAnon think that all their work is doing is worth it. They really are saving the world because look at how high they're climbing and in rank. Some people now, actually, a lot of ex-QAnon followers have said that if Trump, if Trump had condemned QAnon, they would have gotten out, which is pretty <gasps> oh, telling. Oh, that blows. That's just an argument for people who are saying the shitty comments of like, well, Trump didn't make QAnon do anything. They're their own people. I they, hate that. You know, it's such a bullshit argument. It's like saying it. like, oh, well, the, the cult members could have left. The cult leader didn't exactly. make them stay. Exactly. It's like, it's like saying, oh, someone could have left a, a, an abusive relationship because, I mean, that's an extreme. But, you know, right, I right. hate that same argument of like, like, why didn't you get out? Yeah. Like, why didn't they have the power to? It's like you're ignoring the bigger issue of someone else is manipulating yeah exactly and uh just in case anyone out there wants to challenge me on this i'm not saying trump is a cult leader but i am saying a cult thinks trump is their leader so let's yeah and he's not saying he's not their leader and he's not saying he's not so (laughs) somehow those things are different but i just want to reiterate so anyway a lot of people have said yeah if he condemned QAnon, maybe they wouldn't have left, but it would have certainly been a wake up call because at least the person that they think is doing all this stuff behind the scenes saying, no, that's not true. They would have at least been a little rattled. Then again, a lot of people would have doubled down and been like, oh, he's that's what he, they he's want him to being say. Forced to say that. Yeah. yeah. Or like that's part, there's a code in there somewhere. All this and I also just want to say I'm not like comparing QAnon members to abuse victims. Like, no, I did not. There's think a you lot were. of self. Um, 
it's responsibility it's, when you join something like QAnon. So I'm not saying like, oh, that's the same difference. I, I guess I was just comparing the argument of ignoring like a bigger no, aspect were, I, of the problem. I did not read it that way. I, I got Oof, you. I don't want to get, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, there's the same narrative gets shoved into all of those situations, no matter how similar right. or not similar they are. Ever. Right. There's always some critic who's like, well, why didn't they leave? And the answer yeah. to that is fuck you. That's the answer. answer, Um, So, I mean, okay, just to reiterate, Trump told them to be wary of the government, to not trust the media, the election's a fraud. All all these people he's telling that to already think he's their savior and is going to save the world. So, like, he's just, like, left and right empowering them. Let's not fucking forget the Capitol, um, (laughs) where he incited violence from a whole group of people who were already vulnerable, already angry, already wanting to do something about it and just waiting for the go, the green light. Yep. And many people at the storming of the Capitol were part of QAnon. You could see it on their signs, on their clothes. Um, Let's remember that fucking Auschwitz shirt that people were wearing, which does have something to do with QAnon. Um, please listen to episode two of QAnon. <laughs> um, one of the people there that everyone saw on the internet uh, who was a member of QAnon is that shaman dude, which, wow, is such a fucking insult to shamans. Um, yeah. Also, uh, he is calling himself the shaman something. Right. I, right. I'm not thinking that that's what he is. And also, in case you missed it, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, um, but a lot of QAnon followers also, the one of the reasons they felt like they could go to the Capitol or they can say all these things or they can join Congress and do whatever they fucking want is because they think they are free from the law because one of their bananas theories is that in 1871, there was a law that turned the U.S. technically into a corporation instead of a federal government. And therefore, mm. any laws that were passed after that year are moot because technicality-wise, they it's... Okay, okay, okay. And so they think since they don't have to follow any of the rules that have been around since 1871, <sighs> That's they can just do whatever the fuck they want. And so it gives them a reason to... If they're not happy with how things are, do some vigilante work for the sake of all good. Um, Anyway, so the aftermath of Trump is that a lot of folks, some of who were in Congress, because of all of his words, like the election was a fraud, you know, don't trust that Biden is, you know, or he didn't say don't trust Biden as president. That's what we think. But the election is a fraud. Don't trust the media. Mm -hmm. All this stuff. Him saying that has not only done damage to the people currently in QAnon, but just how that is going to spread throughout time now he trump has certainly left a legacy now and that he has almost approved the next several generations having to rebuild trust in media and government and all these things because there's now a huge faction of people a staggering staggering percentage of people who believe him and now don't trust the government now they're gonna probably invalidate every time there's a new president unless it's the one they fucking want i don't know but so anyway he enabled a lot of people to not trust the government to deny biden to ignore the administration to incite violence or to incite vigilante justice at least and it's going to take a long time for people to break away from that thinking that he told them was correct um i mean imagine your god because to some people he is the savior Imagine your God telling you, oh, everything you think is right and everyone that's judging you for it is wrong. And now you're stuck in this this world. And for the next several, I imagine, generations, you have to somehow wrangle yourself out of thinking that, no, he is. Now it's your responsibility to do something about it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And opened the sheeple's eyes. <laughs> but exactly. So, I mean, he just, like, basically lit a fucking match and walked away. And so Travis View, who I mentioned in the last two episodes, who I'm very terrified of not uh, doing justice in my yeah, yeah, research. Yeah, the podcaster. His podcast, and there's two other people in that podcast. They're called QAnon Anonymous. Super excellent. Please go listen to them if you are fascinated and want to learn more. Um, one of his quotes about the now, I suppose, legacy, yikes, of what QAnon <laughs> has left. Um, Travis Travis said, this is something that will be with us for at least a generation and probably longer, which is Woof. awful. Woof. And just to remind everybody, in 2020, the FBI did say that QAnon poses a domestic terror threat. So at least it's official. Finally, somebody said it. Right. At least, but that's also, I'm pretty sure the first time a conspiracy theory has become a fucking domestic terror threat. Um, I don't know. I think that's the first time. It feels like that's the right information that I'm telling you. Okay. Anyway, so here we go on ways it's like a cult for 400, ding, ding, ding. Um, (laughs) So experts have classified QAnon's audience as comparable to religious cults. I don't know if anyone has just like said, oh yeah, it's a fucking cult. I'm not sure about that. I have but i'm not an expert um some people claim that it's not really a cult yet it's more of a conspiratorial group think or a quasi-religious worldview because of its extreme some or its similarities to extreme groups sure i feel like that's all really dancing around what we all think and or at least what i think it's that we're really flirting with trying to not say cult that's what i'm thinking (laughs) that's at least Mm -hmm. how it feels to me so again, all of this is alleged. No one, it, this is all my opinions. Usually we are very, very, very neutral or try to be and not express our opinions. But after three episodes, I would say a hundred hours of research. I'm so fucking over this. And I'm sorry that this is not proper journalism right now, but I, I don't know how to not think it's a cult after extremist experts are really shocked And everyone who is dealing with this, who have lost loved ones, people who have left the group are all saying... But so what's, like, why would it not be a cult? Like, what's the definition of a cult that would make it any different from that, like, according to experts? So there, I looked everywhere. That's actually, you know, in a a way, it's it's an answer to the question I don't think you were expecting. But I looked everywhere for conspiracy theory versus cult. I just typed that in. Okay. And all that popped up... I didn't mention QAnon. All that popped up were pages about QAnon. So I don't even know if there is an official. uh, Is there an official? I feel like at one point. I I mean, I just looked up cult. It basically says, like, I wonder if it's too broad to be a cult. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they all have different levels of belief. I'm not sure. Because I I would say a conspiracy theory if I were if I were to define it and this could be totally fucking wrong. But I would say a conspiracy theory is when you have some fringe beliefs uh, and you're not alone. There's a there's a group of you that all kind of follow these. Sure little pieces of information that can that confirm for you this belief that you have but you're aware that it's not really for everyone it's like a niche interest sure and for me and i'm sure there's a more extreme or a less extreme depending on who you are definition of that but what makes it different to me from a cult is that a cult there is a following where you i i actually wrote my version of how this becomes a cult okay in here but just to answer the question the difference a quick difference between it is that you're not losing money, losing family, losing sanity, losing relationships, losing your 
reputation. I, like, for me, a conspiracy theory is time travel's real. Haha. Anyway, moving on with my fucking life. Versus a cult is time travel is real and I'm going to save the human race because of it. Like it's, those are very extreme polar opposites, but. But if you think about like flat earthers, there are some flat earthers who are so hardcore that like. That's true. They have YouTube channels. They have like, they think everyone else is wrong. They think the government is against them, but I don't think, I wouldn't consider like that a cult. I wonder if it's because they're not losing family and money because of it. Well, because I think a cult typically has like a, like a. A leader. A leader or like a devotion to like a one i feel like maybe it's too vague like there's so many different i wonder if because of QAnon, that's actually a great um that we didn't we didn't plan this but that's a great um (laughs) that's interesting i wonder if because of QAnon, there's going to become a third category there could be because like you said with flat earthers or you know uh, some other people i'm not gonna like just shout out a bunch of people i don't agree with but i would say that a lot of them kind of fall into that gray space then don't they like yeah yeah and especially because a lot of them end up like uh converging so there are a lot of flat earthers who end up getting involved in anti-semitism and neo-nazism and there's a lot of overlap so i don't know like i wonder if it's just too broad to categorize. Maybe it's the, honestly, maybe the third group right now, or maybe the gray space is that conspiratorial group think or quasi-religious worldview. Which sounds just as dangerous to me, to be fair. Like, well, the, the definition of the quasi-religious worldview is having features of extreme religious groups. So having features, sure, and maybe not right, some yeah. of them, but having Having some, but not all of them. So maybe that's what this sure, weird sure. gray space is. If that is the case, I could understand, I guess, why people are putting QAnon into that category for the time being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then again, I think it has promoted itself. Yeah, no, I can totally see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. can understand why maybe experts are hesitant to say something. Maybe it's just so new that they're trying to They're like- just fucking define it they're just frantic being like what do we do to keep up yeah because it keeps changing and growing i mean this is within the last year that it's gotten like so massive i mean wow so anyway anyway i'm not saying it's any less dangerous than a cult it might be more so but i'm just saying maybe it's more so because it's like it doesn't even have a label it knows no bounds defined uh it's almost scarier so anyway that's what experts are saying i guess it's the the kind of middle gray space I personally think it has exceeded those limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a cult, it lures you in with a horrible story of society that makes you want to, you know, help be a part of the change. In this case, it was human trafficking. Um, So it makes you feel Mm -hmm. really important. And to those who hate what's going on in the world right now, which there have been a lot of reasons in the last year, to hear someone saying we're trying to save the world at least sounds like a fun idea. Like, at least sounds like you're in the right direction. Like, or- most people could get on board with that. Like, yeah. sure, in a, out of context, yeah, we all want to save the world. Exactly, especially when it's something as serious as human trafficking. And Totally. Ev- and I, I mentioned her last time, but she's an ex-neo-Nazi. Her name was uh, Shannon Foley-Martinez, and she's been chiming in wherever she can on QAnon and saying, this is one of her quotes about everyone just wanting to do good and starting with the right intentions. Shannon said, quote, especially moms at home, when we start interjecting the idea that children are in danger, of course, Mm -hmm. moms in particular and women are like, how do we save the children? So when they start investigating and when you're and when you feel like you've found the real facts that have been hidden from you, that's very alluring and seductive and feels like empowerment. So Travis View from the QAnon Anonymous podcast said, 
You can sit at your computer and search for information, and QAnon basically promises that through this process, you're going to radically change the country, institute this incredible, almost bloodless revolution, and then be part of this historical movement that will be written about for generations. And then another thing that Travis View said was QAnon, the QAnon community also often talks about alienation from family and friends, but they think these issues are temporary and primarily the fault of others. They often comfort themselves by imagining that there will be a moment of vindication sometime in the near future, which will prove their beliefs right. They imagine after this happens, not only will their relationships be restored, but people will turn to them as leaders themselves who understand what's going on better than the rest of us. So I mean, I don't know if you watch the Nexium docuseries, but that is so spot on of like, if people are disconnect, if you're disconnecting from people, it's because they don't understand. And if they came to a meeting, if they came, Mm -hmm. they would understand and they would they would realize why I'm part of this or they would join too. I mean, it's that thinking of like, they just don't understand. They're like, exactly. They're not in the right headspace. Yeah, it's easy to yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exact. And so from those three quotes, I feel like it kind of hits a lot of the tenets of what a cult is. And sure. That, I, I um, agree. That you think you're saving the world from some evil. You think that you are really special and part of this movement that's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have this community behind you that's telling you like, oh, if you alienate yourself from these people, it's almost like it it soothes the burden of losing your family because you yes. think it's only temporary because one day once everyone has reached an ascension or a utopia or an enlightenment, everyone will come back together and you don't have to worry about saying goodbye for now. Totally. Which uh, that's that's what I took from it. And NPR interviewed Travis and they said, without Trump, does QAnon fizzle? And Travis said, without L. Ron Hubbard, did Scientology fizzle? Ooh, I just got major goose cam. That right? is not that a was good feeling. The to quote me. of the century to me. And he oh said, Oh my goodness. He said, Oh my gosh. Once a movement like this grows to a certain size and once the believers in it become dedicated enough, it becomes self sustaining and it doesn't need its founder or leader anymore. And Scientology did that without fucking Facebook, so yikes. Oh yeah. They did it without they did it for years without Facebook. Now imagine if Scientology if instead of Trump not being president now, imagine L. Ron Hubbard just died and Scientology has the internet. Like, I mean, yeah. and everyone's inside with nothing to do. I mean, it's how fast would everyone be a Scientologist right now? <sighs> and so one of the fun aspects of a cult is that they also, and this is where, I don't know, I guess it could also still be a little conspiracy theory-esque, but cult leaders in general, they like to exploit anxiety with as much... Um, ambiguity as possible to kind of let you fill in the gaps yourself sure um, it's like that guy at the rajneeshi who's just took an oath of silence and everybody was yeah like, oh well i know he approves of the way i believe it because he wasn't saying anything <laughs> it's what i like to call customized anxiety um <laughs> because it has a much more like uh alluring ring to me yeah I would get on board with that well, because like they're they tell you just enough to be afraid and then let you let your own paranoia fill in the gaps of how the worst thing possible could happen and what the best way you can help is. Yeah. Um. So I guess that's where I I hesitated earlier, but I'm going to go back to my original thought of I think that's what makes it culty, too. And that like in terms of conspiracy theories, you don't have this cust- you don't have as much of this customized anxiety where everything kind of implodes to either the end of the world or. Uh, it's your responsibility to get on board and help reach salvation or something like that. 
Anyway, so last week I said a lot of QAnon jargon, and I said the week before too, has a lot of religious tropes that maybe also lure in certain people because they're familiar with that jargon, they're familiar with um, everything happens for a reason, or there being a plan for things, and during a, a time of intense anxiety, wanting similar ex- explanations. So uh, a lot of QAnon Christian jargon specifically, they've talked about the storm, the Great Awakening, um, and it's it's all reminiscent of a lot of people's upbringings. It's gotten to a point, this is also where I think we have exceeded that gray space and gone into cult zone, is because <laughs> there are now churches starting about this. Oh my gosh, what? So some followers have uh, a religious level of worship. Enough oh of them got together. And the thing that's creepy to me is that like a, a lot of people say that they joined because they, I'm only speaking specifically about Christians. I did not see anything about any other religions. I will say, ironically, a lot of Jewish people have also joined um, for very other reasons. If you're Orthodox Jewish, a lot of anti-vax stuff is how they got kind of sucked into sure. this or... Um, Again, a lot of Jewish mothers at home were afraid of human trafficking. My mother's afraid when I, like, stub my fucking toe. So can you imagine <laughs> if there was a human trafficking ring she could help with? So, I mean, like, anyone anyone is able to get into this. Right. I'm not trying to pinpoint Christians, so please don't take it that way. But in terms of Christianity, a lot of people have said that they fell into it because it felt so similar to their current faith. Mm. And that is interesting to me because then those people or uh anyone in QAnon but especially you know I'm talking about Christian people right now they have such a religious level of worship to QAnon that it's replacing their own religion that got them into this to begin with or I will also say in a little bit I'm going to talk about how there are a lot of Christians who because of their faith they got out so I'm not saying that Christianity is a reason you get sucked in QAnon but a lot of their core beliefs that brought them into QAnon or made QAnon feel alluring, they ended up like replacing their religion with this level of worship for Trump and QAnon and almost matching them to their God or their Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. very interesting in that they're, it feels like a replacement or they're, they're equating them in some way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, there is a church now. Um, I'm assuming a lot of people who already had some sort of faith, kind of a church seemed like a nice idea that, you know, also followed QAnon beliefs. And now it's kind of just becoming, wow, it's getting out of hand. So there's an independent church in Indiana that's doing this. I would say that they're probably still selling themselves as, oh, we're like, insert denomination here. Right, uh, right, right. Where a church that happens to also all be QAnon followers, or we happen to also have faith in QAnon, or we also happen to have a belief system rooted in Q. So I don't think they're calling themselves a QAnon church, but I think they probably all like met on Reddit or something. (laughs) That's how it feels. Um, So anyway, they, one person did write about this. They were, they joined the QAnon Indiana church services and said that it was originally on Zoom. Eventually, it had to go to YouTube because it exceeded the number limit. Oh, shit, so, really? So oh, many, God. So many people started going. Essentially, it, it they said essentially it's a QAnon church. It's an independent congregation. They were calling. I don't know if this is what the church themselves were calling them or if this is what the author was saying. But they were called Q-Vangicals instead of Evangical. Stop it. Stop it. 
really an insult to evangelicals, um, <laughs> I think, personally. Uh, so the service apparently began with them protecting the Zoom room from from Satan. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, we forgot to do that today. Yeah, well, we did it every other day, so we're probably safe today. Okay. Um, and then they did a Bible study, and they incorporated Q videos into the sermon and it's not good where they also were trying they apparently took like a 15 minute breather or something where they also tried to decode q drops or breadcrumbs and one service apparently they talked about project looking glass which is some sort of military time travel tech which like i can get on board with that but like that's about it <laughs> yeah 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 um they were preaching time travel can be this I took, I think, straight from the article, so I, I don't want there to anyone to think there was any plagiarism. But after talking about Project Looking Glass, they preached that time travel can be explained by certain passages. And then they also said okay. that you should stop listening to all media, including like media that normal, average, everyday QAnon people follow. They would all media just wipe it out because it's satanic in some way. So nothing is safe. No nothing basically. is safe. Except all of these QAnon videos. I think two of them that they were showing during this church were the two I mentioned earlier that got a lot of people involved. The Plandemic and Fall Cabal. I think yeah. Fall Cabal was part of this service. Um, right. So since all media might be controlled, it's all therefore potentially satanic, so just avoid it altogether. And instead, this church suggested a bunch of QAnon YouTube channels, QAnon influencers, and their ministry apparently collects funds for Reclamation Ranch which Ugh. this is where like it, that it also starts to feel really culty because now you're taking their money in some way yep um and apparently reclamation ranch will is like a it helps rescue kids from the deep state or the oh god trafficking ring oh geez. so again there you have that so uh switching gears i want to say uh here are other ways that there have been some like weird faith in how it became a little and how it became religious at some point in 1831, there was a Baptist preacher, William Miller, who predicted the second coming of Jesus was going to be on October 22nd, 1844. It didn't happen, and his followers were crushed. Apparently, this day was called the Great Disappointment, which is hysterical to me. Um, <laughs> okay. Which, like, every day of 2020 was technically the Great Disappointment. Oh, my God. So these followers, they didn't lose faith, though, even though, like, a prediction had been proven wrong in front of them, but they Yep, didn't yep, lose yep. faith and eventually these followers became seventh day adventists and now there's 20 million worldwide which by the way by the estimates that that documentary was saying there's more QAnon people in in the world than seventh day adventists oh yikes if i'm doing that right hopefully that's not true um so anyway yikes the there's one author named norman Cohn, and he uh wrote the pursuit of the millennium and in terms of apocalyptic thinking, he compared QAnon to this level of blind religious faith. Yeah. And so this is a quote from him. The seventh day, this is a long quote, but it was all really powerful to me. The Seventh Day Adventists and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints are thriving religious movements indigenous to America. Do not be surprised if QAnon becomes another, aka get ready for QAnon to become a religion. It already, boy, oh boy. it already has more adherence by far than either of those two denominations. Adherence, adherence. Yeah, you said right. Adherence. Okay, 
It already has more adherence by far than either of those two denominations wow. had in the first decades of their existence. In the first decades, and this is um, one year. Wow. People are expressing their faith through devoted study of Q drops as installments of a foundational text, through the development of Q worshiping groups, and through sweeping expressions of gratitude for what Q has brought to their lives. <sighs> Does it matter that we do not know who Q is? The divine is always a mystery. Yeah, that's probably part of the appeal. Yep. It's like, we don't know who God is, but people follow God. Does it matter that basic aspects of Q's teachings cannot be confirmed? The basic tenets of Christianity cannot be confirmed. Among the people of QAnon, faith remains absolute. True believers describe a feeling of rebirth and irreversible arousal to existential knowledge. They are certain that a great awakening is coming. They'll wait as long as they must for deliverance. Trust the plan. Enjoy the show. Nothing can stop what is coming. Okay, woof. I am freaked out, officially freaked out. And this is... (laughs) I I wrote here, it was clearly two in the morning. I wrote a quote by yours truly. Great. (laughs) So this is where I listed all of the ways that I feel like it is a cult. And maybe now that we've had this conversation and you've made me rethink things, maybe it just falls into quasi-religious movements or whatever. If they're starting churches and shit, like I am way (laughs) on board with the cult thing. So this these are some of the ways that I Let me just describe this and you tell me if I'm talking about a conspiracy theory or if I'm talking about a cult. Okay. You very subtly get lured in in the beginning with false promises of doing good. Mm -hmm. You begin learning the group's baseless secrets that the world doesn't want you to know. Mm -hmm. You alienate yourself from others. You feel connected to something bigger than yourself. You have a leader or a savior and a community making you feel special for being awake to the truth. You feel united and fighting against evil. You're a part of saving the world. You believe in predictions of big things that are coming that you can help prepare for. Mm -hmm. You recruit others to save them, to help lead them to truth or to help lead them to salvation. Or you shun them if they challenge you too many times. You believe in a soon-to-be reckoning and then some version of ascension into utopia. When all that doesn't happen, you have so much faith in your belief system, you will deny inconsistencies to explain away the disillusionment. You're led, therefore, into an escalated and more extreme worldview because of these new beliefs you had to create to explain away your previous views. You are willing to lose your loved ones for the cause. So that's 14 or 15. We're in. I mean, listen. there's Oh, and number 15 can be, and also churches are being created because apparently this is akin to God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, And it's being described as like evangelist behavior, which is, this is frightening to me. Yeah. And let me just say, if you are someone who has been kind of flirting with the idea of QAnon and you are here, I don't know, It's it, if you're listening and you might be part of QAnon and maybe you're kind of being rattled, let me just say this really quickly. No theory that you learned a few months ago is worth losing your family or your friends over. That's just that. So if you needed something, yep. there's there's that information. And uh, if you needed to hear it from somebody, a stranger... Hi. Um, There you go. And this is where I now talk about the most important part of how to help someone get out. Mm. Um, So the first real disillusionment has happened, which is awesome. Um, So far, like the big first real, the great awakening, if you will, uh, just the one that's on the right side of history in my perspective, was that 
Biden became president right. and they were fucking wrong. Despite all the promises and yep, yep. Yes. And that really shook some people. They couldn't process how the plan didn't happen and the plan that they were screaming about everywhere mm-hmm. and the plan that they were shouting at all of us that we'll all see, we'll all see, it didn't come through. So even Anons on, um, and when I say Anons, I mean pe- anonymous people on 8-Con, eight 8-Coon. Eight I think oh, did someone you see did- what that meant? I did. A lot of, I saw a few answers, but the overwhelming majority said that kun or kun is, uh, it means like a, like a masculine, it like means sun, like the sun of 4chan or 8chan or something. Well, so chan means like, or is one of the, it's either the feminine or the masculine, and then kun is the other, is the opposite. So basically, if you're saying 4chan and 4kun are like the opposite. Uh, got it like this they described as brother sister channels brother sister i saw someone describe it as four christine and eight zandy or something like (laughs) (laughs) yeah because they're like sibling websites or like brother sister websites yeah that's funny (laughs) so uh i don't want to be associated with four channels thanks for the thanks guys uh so Anyway, members of Anonymous that day, the day that Biden was inaugurated, they were all writing online with a lot of mixed feelings. And remember, the current owner of Aikun is Ron Watkins, yeah, or Jim yeah. Watkins and Ron Watkins. Even them on that day of Biden's inauguration, they wrote on the their forum saying, quote, it's time to go back to our lives as best we are able. <gasps> so even they were wow. like, let's just, can we just, just fucking like, end move this? Move on, yeah. Yeah. So this all comes, I, this is another, this is the new theory. Remember, once you are challenged or something doesn't make sense, you double down and try to rationalize why it is the way it is. So there's this new belief for the people who aren't rattled and are like really hunkering into like QAnon exists and this was just part of the plan. Um, I think this faction of QAnon people showed up after Biden's inauguration. But the new belief is that obviously... FDR replaced the gold standard by offering people to foreign investors. So humans were being traded Mm. with foreign investors. Cool. Obviously. Great. Before this happened, though, I I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, but now I'm I'm explaining it. Um, Before this happened, before FDR replaced the gold standard, presidents were always sworn in on March 4th. And those are the only presidents that are valid. Those are the only presidents worth paying attention to. Right. So... That means any president who hasn't been sworn in on March 4th, we don't even count. And that's why instead of Trump being number 45, he's actually been number 19 all along. Or he uh-huh. would would have become 19. He was 18. I don't understand. Okay, he 19. He, think of him as 19 instead of 45. No, thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so this March 4th, this was all part of the plan. They want you to think Biden won the presidency. Even though they all fucking said the plan is Trump is gonna become the president. Now they're saying, oh, the plan got edited or updated. And so now Biden's supposed to make you think he's president. But now this March 4th, oh boy, the United States is going to revert back to its original form. But like quote? why? Like, and how? Like what? How? Aliens are going to, with what? Project time travel? Right, like I don't get, like why all of a sudden it's like, more surprise, like who's planning this? I don't understand. Anyway, apparently March 4th will now be the new reckoning where Trump does become president and we realize the last couple months have been a total that's sham. that's in like two weeks. That's in like less than two weeks. It's like in a week. It's like, it's like the next time an episode comes out, I think. So. No, it's, it's literally a week from tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. A. 
we'll know. We'll know by then, I guess. But so everyone is now saying, oh, March 4th, that's the new plan. That's the new plan. You're right. That's just going to keep adapting. When that doesn't happen, they're going to say, oh, the next election, it's going to happen. Like, it's just going to keep getting. Yeah. Well, luckily, this was the first real disillusionment, or as I'm going to call the Great Awakening, um, because I think that's just comedy gold there. It's pretty clever. That even devout QAnon followers hesitated because they were like whoa like that i don't buy it like something is weird i was promised 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 this whole time uh-huh. and now there's this random plan about because fdr like sold gold and humans so like it, it a lot of people are starting to kind of wake up that's good um yeah so that's really nice and right now they're oh god i wish i wrote i have the link but i don't know which link it was that talked about this I don't remember which article it was, but oh, oh, I, I have it right here. Perfect. Okay. So it was a 538 article and it was basically they're talking about right now because people are kind of starting to get rattled or at least the first real wave of people who are waking up from QAnon are sh- starting to show themselves. Um, this is the first real opportunity we've had to potentially pull doubting believers out from the conspiracy before one of three things happens. So there's one of three paths after Biden's inauguration, that will happen for QAnon people. The first one is unshakable faith, where now they're doubling down more than ever. And again, when people say like, well, once your big plan failed, why don't you leave? That's kind of like when cults say like, oh, the UFOs are coming to get us and then they don't show up. You know, it's like, and actually, I'm not even going to say cults in that case. I'm going to say a quasi-religious blah, 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 Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's fair and more open, especially with like Seventh-day Adventists. Like they're the Great Reckoning didn't happen, and then they became Seventh-day Adventists, and they're not a cult, as far as I know. So Right, right, right. No, I see what you're saying. Anyway, I don't want to put that title on. In that spot, I don't want to put a title. <laughs> um, but so it's a, it's a really good point in that, like, in most cases, people, I think there was a quote, a prophecy comes after the group has already been established. Um, so when believers find these holes in their beliefs it's easy to fill the gaps and since biden was inaugurated now everyone's saying oh well this was a plan trump's gonna be president march 4th also the inauguration's fake a lot of people have been saying that the bible that he swore on was fake which like you don't even doesn't even have to be a fucking bible um but okay so a lot unshakable faith is the first one the second one is doubting QAnon, which is what we want that would be great yep i want option two Basically, they could finally get back in touch with their loved ones. They People are starting to look at their past inconsistencies. A lot of ex-QAnon members have said what got them through it or what made them wake up was they found threads online, which if you see this thread online, I encourage you to retweet that shit in case it happens for someone else, um, where these threads were listing all of the failed QAnon predictions all at once. Oh, interesting. So I, I imagine like, yeah, usually if you can see an inconsistency and you can plan out ways to fill the holes if you see all of those predictions that failed at one time you can't possibly fill all those holes pretty powerful at one time especially when all of them are such wild theories you can't come up with that stuff right away and it'll startle you right so anyway so that's one thing uh i mentioned earlier a lot of people who were uh specifically christian because i didn't see this anywhere else but a lot of christian QAnon followers said that one of the reasons that they were able to get out is because someone challenged them by not challenged them, but asked the simple question of, I think you're holding Q to the same level you hold God, or I think you're holding ah. these breadcrumbs and these hints and these secrets of the world 
you're holding them to the same standard as you would the Bible. And that's a Ten Commandments, so... Yeah, and so that woke a lot of people up and they were like, oh, this is wrong. You don't hold anything to the same standard as God. Interesting. Okay. So congratulations to the people who have gotten out. There is one guy, He I mentioned him last time, he did a Reddit AMA as an ex-QAnon follower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a quote of his that said... It was how he got out. It was a couple of posts made by Q on the chance. Oh, this is the guy I was talking about when some people started waking up because they realized that they think Q is like a baby boomer who's like, oh, yeah, writing. He's not good at punctuation. Yeah. So this is one of those cases. And this this was a quote of that. It was a couple of posts made by Q on the chance that uh, seemed highly suspicious because of how ignorant they were to technology. Q posts often had weird syntax as originally a code and the way he writes some people have read into it being clues. But this guy saw it as an older person trying to use the wrong tech jargon, basically. He said... One morning, Q claimed to have shut down seven FBI supercomputers, named after the seven dwarves, no less, via satellite (laughs) hacking, and all of the rabid fans ate it up, claiming it was true because their internet had been running a little, a bit faster now. Oh, come on. uh, I realized that most of the Q believers I had seen were boomers with no idea how technology works or people my age with no idea about how computers operate. That day, I googled QAnon debunked and got out. So it was wow, interesting. So it's like no matter what angle, like if you find that angle that's like, huh, yeah, that speaks to you. Interesting. I also think it's interesting that it was kind of a combination situation for him, where it was like, I kind of think QAnon is a boomer, and also now that I'm thinking about it, all of his followers that I know of are uh-huh. also boomers, and they're all talking about how they know for sure a satellite was hacked. Like it's like. Okay, and this isn't to, like, totally rip on boomers. Some of you are no, very no. perfectly digitally literate. And some of us younger and some of us are generations not. Are, gr- are shitty at, com- at tech, too. So it's not, like, a one-all. Right. Yeah. So the other third option, other than unshakable faith, doubting Q, or the third one is becoming way more extreme, which is terrifying. Ooh, let's not do that. I would like that one off the table completely. So for a lot of loyalists... Biden winning winning, uh, has them super angry in the wrong way at the wrong people, and they're slipping even deeper into fringe beliefs to try to explain it away. A lot of these people probably feel really powerless because the thing they were promised by their own group, they are feeling betrayed. They don't trust their own community. And usually if you don't trust, you feel like you can't trust your current fringe community, you just find another. So Mm -hmm. now you're this one set of beliefs you already have that are very extreme, you're now going to just marry into another set of extreme beliefs. And other extreme groups, by the way, especially white nationalists, apparently, they have noted that these people are currently very vulnerable. They feel betrayed by their own and they're eager. The white nationalists and other extreme groups are very eager to recruit these new, already manipulated people. Since a lot of these people all find each other on more conservative right-wing social platforms, it's just the same situation all over again where the internet is at your disposal. A lot of people are looking for answers all over again. They're just frustrated. They feel betrayed. They want someone to listen to. And now not only are they just talking on like Facebook and Twitter where there's a whole bunch of different kinds of people to reach out to, but now they're reaching out on, I'm speaking specifically about like Parler and Gab and all that. Um, not to totally call them out, but those apps existing now gives confused extremists a concentrated group of people who are more likely to take Mm -hmm. them in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that happens to be the platforms that people with some really alt-right opinions are on. 
Yeah. So since all these groups are just like, it's just a breeding ground for extreme beliefs at this point, even the like, quote, vanilla conservatives on these pages are getting wrangled in. So like, it's just, you're, it's just slowly sucking people in. Everyone, I would imagine, has at least heard of QAnon if you're on that on those platforms. I don't know. I am not on those platforms, but I would imagine there's compared to like, I don't know others. I would imagine there's Buzzfeed. (laughs) I would imagine there's a lot of people involved in QAnon on those platforms, right for the picking. Um, And basically when they decide to start working together, these, you know, whether it's a, I'm just using white nationalists over and over again, but for example, white nationalists, if they decide to start working together with QAnon people who feel like they're betrayed or they're, coming up with even more reasons to explain away Trump not becoming president, whatever it is. Once they all band together, if they were to start protesting, a former QAnon member said, it will make January 6th look like a joke, which is the storming of the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so love that. the notion that the storming of the Capitol is just the beginning because people are now going to really band together now that Biden has become president. So that terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And despite all that, the people who are leaving, who have chosen option two, we welcome you. We embrace you. Welcome back. And advice from former members of QAnon and cult recovery professionals, they are all pretty much saying the same thing. Um, And let me take this moment to say people have lost their families. They've lost their friends to QAnon. They feel like QAnon has been chosen over them. Um, Those who are lost are isolating themselves. Thus, they're falling deeper and deeper into the belief because they're relying on people who aren't their loved ones um, for social interaction. This QAnon is devastating people, which is why I consider it a cult, one of the many reasons that I listed. Um, There's also a a fear for a lot of people that if this starts falling into more violent or extreme factions, QAnon could very quickly become physically harmful to people and their families. I, Fred Brennan, or the guy who created uh, 8chan, and then he ended up selling his website to Jim Watkins, where QAnon now is running. He even said, like, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said, like, I'm terrified that one day, like, someone from QAnon is going to, like, kill their children for the sake of, like, saving them from people. Or, like, I mean, there's... It is really terrifying how fast it can get once you've incited a little violence and people could start doing real damage because they think they're doing it for the better good or the greater good. Yeah. So it's not just losing family members. It's being worried about their mental and physical safety. Yeah. And there's additional pain for a lot of people who are now leaving QAnon. But before they did, they recruited their own loved ones into Ooh. it with them. And now they have to not only walk away from this whole belief system but also the people that they love and they have to deal with the guilt of bringing them into that group and now they're walking away from them after bringing yep. them into it what's more difficult is that stubborn QAnon followers even if they might kind of start doubting they will be afraid to admit that they were wrong due to the amount of time that they have invested in this due to the sacrifices they've made for this especially during a pandemic when this has been some people's 40-hour work week is just learning yeah. about QAnon Um, And the overall suggestions from uh, former members and psychologists and cult experts, they're all basically the same. And before I say these things, I want to give my own very unofficial, I am not an expert opinion. 
Um, if you, for some reason, have lost somebody to QAnon and your choice has been to walk away completely and uh, your boundary that you've set for yourself is to just not have a relationship with them, you are 100% valid in that. You are 100% valid in it being too fucking much. Maybe to you, they are too gone. It's just it's not, not your worth, responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Yeah. It's not worth your sanity. Um, you know, if there's, if the options are both of you go down trying to get them out of QAnon sure. or only they're damaged and you can move from this, move on from this, you are valid. Uh, the yeah. only reason I say that is because the overwhelming majority of recommendations is that you stay in touch with them in some way. And I don't want anyone listening to this feeling guilty. Sure. You should not feel guilty. This is just a suggestion, just a suggestion from other people. So experts are saying, first of all, don't, if you are still talking to them, don't challenge them because they're just going to dig their heels in. Don't try to show them evidence because you're just showing them evidence from sources that they were trained not to trust or indoctrinated not to trust. And if anything, you're just proving to them that you're part of the problem and they can't come to you mm -hmm. because you are falling for media. They, if, if you show them credible sources to us and it's, and it's not credible to them, they're just going to end up running further into the QAnon community because they need to go bitch about the experience to other people who get them, you know? So um, just try not to have logical arguments with people who are not being logical. Um, one quote is, to try to make rational arguments is not going to work because they're not thinking rationally. Another quote is, I don't think they can be reasoned out of beliefs they weren't reasoned into. So uh, instead, what you can do is continue loving them. I will add the caveat of if that means from a distance, great. Um, if your boundary is I love them from afar, awesome. Um, if you can or if you're willing, uh, check in on them. Uh, many former members have said, have described being in QAnon like a drug, which can be offensive, I imagine, to addicts. So I, I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. But a lot of former members have said it feels like a drug because you're learning these clues. You feel the sense of entitlement and power. And once you've figured out one clue and like you've figured out, you've decoded it. And now you have a piece of the puzzle that's going to save the world. You need more and more and more and more. Interestingly, experts have also compared leaving cults to those with histories with addiction, at least in terms of uh, one of the big things is isolating yourself from your family mm -hmm. and people who can help you. So one of the things that experts say is focus on their higher selves. So start with where their good intentions ended. So be like, I agree that human sex trafficking is terrible. I would love to I would love to help you with that or i'm so happy that you know that's a, a big important value to you and then just redirect the sources they look at at least like show them a couple links to other human trafficking foundations and so it's not necessarily what cnn is saying what nbc is saying what new york times is saying just hey since you're really into human trafficking and saving children really into human trafficking eggs but since you're really into <laughs> saving people from this here are some other foundations you can donate to or work with while you're also in QAnon, and hopefully that gives them steps into talking to other people away from the movement that sounds real hard because i have some relatives far pretty far removed in QAnon, and they some of them are very very cruel and racist and angry yep. so even that far i'm not you know what i mean like no i totally get it in that i saw a lot of that in uh rebuttals to this advice of like i can try but like that it, that's not a simple fix so if they are 
let's say early on in the movement and easier swayed, maybe that's sure. a good, or, a good way or to if it. it's somebody that you know well enough to be like, I know where their heart is, or I know because obviously, right. like some of the people I'm thinking of, like they were always racist. It's not like oh, suddenly they became, you know, that was always a part of their personality. So I'm not, I don't want to be involved with them anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> but right, yeah, right. if you're like oh my brother uncle mom or whomever like i know that they're being skewed or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no they totally a different heart yeah um that makes more sense yeah and another one is again i said this earlier but if they are religious in some way maybe see if they're where what pedestal they're putting q on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um which is how a lot of christians left also remind them of shared experiences and memories because one of the things that i didn't mention earlier but would like to tack onto my list of ways this is like a cult uh-huh. <laughs> is uh is because they it removes you from your prior identity before q sure. uh, or before a whatever belief system you're in um and so remind them at, of memories when but only think of them as your sibling or your friend or your schoolmate or back in college when you were roommates, remember this wonderful time together. And it kind of takes them out of thinking about QAnon for one fucking second, which <laughs> chances are if that they're that deep in, it's all they're thinking about anymore. And so it's just a good time to remind them that they do have an identity outside of QAnon yeah, that they may have point. abandoned. So yeah, yeah. Um, another one, which is like kind of like ugh, in terms of advice, because I feel like it's like, what's a great way to you know be celibate not have sex and abstinence like it's like it feels icky it feels like kind of um hey the best way to get out of this is to not even start it from the beginning but one of the big suggestions is focus your attention on what QAnon is and learn as much as you can so that you don't accidentally get sucked into it too and it's like i get it but i want to know how i can help other people so sure anyway to help yourself Learn as much as you can, and hopefully you won't be swayed while you're talking to QAnon members and trying to help them. Right. I just, I wanted to add that in, but I feel like that's kind of like a counterintuitive one. It's like, okay, yeah, I get that one. Sure. Also, you can focus your attention on those who have yet to be, like, initiated into QAnon. And if you see people online kind of being swayed or lured in, and they're clearly brand new and kind of just open to it step in on those comments and say something quickly and like redirect them to actual sources before they think that those sources aren't credible. And I mean, it it only takes a few weeks apparently to get completely radicalized. But if you see someone hopefully on like day one and there's time to reroute their thinking, do it and try to figure out what loved ones fears and needs are before a cult understands them better than you mm-hmm. understands them better. So if you know that they're just like missing out on social interaction try to like do some like weekly movie nights or some shit. Like, I mean, that's a really small example, but if you can figure out what their anxiety is and what answers they're looking for, try to find a way to get them those answers or fulfill those psychological needs before they're taking extreme measures. Also, you can offer them resources, like I've mentioned, but you can suggest breaks from media. That's a great way to offer a resource because you're not telling them what not to believe. You're Mm -hmm. just telling them what to not really look at for five minutes. Also, don't expect them to change overnight. Be, you got to be patient if you're willing to put in this work. Um, also, I did not do enough research on this, but one person who is a former QAnon member says uh, their best tip is to, when you're asking questions, instead of accidentally challenging them and making them dig their heels in, ask them questions with street epistemology techniques 
which apparently is a conversation tool to help understand one's beliefs. I feel like it sounds controversial to me because one, I don't know enough about it. So I don't know if I should be really sharing that information without being totally enlightened on it. But it feels like if you were like someone preaching on the sidewalk, how you can lure people into your way of thinking. So it feels a little icky without me knowing too much about it. But I want to give it a shout out because former QAnon members say that it's what got them out and how they've been helping other people. So if it works, it works, I guess. Sure. Just hopefully you're using it for the right reasons. Um, also, be willing to listen if they do start addressing their doubts. Don't come at them with facts. Don't just listen. Just shut up and listen because they're telling you their feelings. They trust you. The last thing you want to do is, you know, make them second guess their trust in you because then they'll just run right back into it. And then list this is one I liked a lot. List the classic tactics of what a conspiracy theory is. Mm. Um just to kind of remind them like, hey, this kind of aligns with what you're going through right now. Sounds a lot like a conspiracy theory. If you'd like, if they're really extreme and you want to list my things where I said how it feels like a cult, maybe just like yeah. test the waters. But you could list the, the the early tactics of a conspiracy theory is that there is a false authority figure. There's a, an appeal to one's anger and prejudices and an urgency for a claim, uh, an urgency of a claim that like something's coming or, you know, there's something really bad going on and we need your help. Um, so to, this is so fucking cool, by the way, and this goes out to everyone, not just QAnon members, but to spread awareness of tactics of a conspiracy theory, there was a team, I think this was the same guy who gave information from Cambridge earlier, Professor Vander Linden, his team um, to spread awareness of conspiracy theory tactics made an online game that anyone can play and it's called Go Viral. And it teaches how fake news spreads itself and how quickly it spreads itself. Um, So it's called Go Viral with an exclamation point if you want to go play it. Cool. And so it's just another easy way to like insert yourself without stressing people out. Also, I think this is hysterical. A former cult member said, just tell them to do their own research. So I think (laughs) I, I see the dark humor in that. Obviously, they're doing other research at the moment. So they're a little busy. But if someone does show any doubts... Just be like, hey, even if these sources, even if you don't think they're credible, maybe just give them a read and just like, if you yeah, just kind of just see what you think about it. And then one of the things I think is super cool, maybe this has always been happening in terms of helping people escape cults, but this is the first time I'm seeing it. So it feels really special to me um, is that a lot of former cult members have been like rallying together in terms of QAnon. And they have been trying to now monitor QAnon threads so they can help pull people out. Oh, that's great. Um, Other ex-cult members have been coming out specifically in support and to give resources for people as they're leaving QAnon. When you say like ex-cult, are you saying all cults or just QAnon? No, sorry. So I've been saying like former or ex-QAnon members when I mean just QAnon. But this is like generally ex-cult members. Any cult. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Ex-cult members yeah, have yeah, been yeah. coming together to help out QAnon. I don't know if this is like, maybe it's just the sources I read, but it seemed like most of them were former Moonies. Wow. Interesting. Okay. But so they started a hashtag called I Got Out. And so you can look at that hashtag and see all these people's stories. And like I said, they are going and following QAnon pages to like insert themselves in early enough to sway people against QAnon. Another person who's really big in trying to help people get out is an ex-QAnon member named Jatarth Jadeja. And he spoke to Anderson Cooper, where he literally apologized to Anderson Cooper uh, for everything he used to think, because he was like 
all the way in like there are blue interdimensional reptiles and hollywood mm-hmm. eats babies he literally said on his show actually anderson cooper said the quote did you believe high level democrats and celebrities were worshiping satan and drinking the blood of children and he said anderson i thought you did that and i would like to apologize right now i apologize for thinking that you ate babies whoa so, what a statement in terms of like feeling like you came full circle like you got to literally tell anderson cooper anything but also like it's got to feel good that he's trying to do his part and is absolutely also getting to apologize to people but so he is going around and like doing like from what i'm i guess a press circuit in some way because he's been everywhere and the research i did trying to get people out or tell his story and in terms of support groups there's not a lot yet just because i think QAnon is so new but there is one that has been offered. I think it was uh, a support group for just people who have lost loved ones to cults in general. It's called Antidote. And oh. I saw someone on a Q forum suggest Antidote. I I don't know anything more about that. But please check that out if you have lost someone. Also, ironically, the place where it all began is doing the most right now. Um, because a lot of the sources people are getting for relieving the fact that they've lost ones to, to uh, QAnon is Reddit. And uh-huh. there are two subreddits specifically where anytime I looked up like how to get people out, these were the two that kept getting shout outs. The first one is recovery, but recovery is spelt with a Q. Oh, R-E-Q-U-O-V-E-R-Y. Wow. And then the other one, which I would say is the biggest, and I would say currently the most influential in terms of QAnon support groups right now is QAnon casualties. Um, And it's a, it's a subreddit dedicated to people who have lost loved ones or are in the process of losing loved ones Um, in June. So three months into QAnon kind of getting really popular, only 3,500 people were in the group and now it is at 137,000. Wow. And what's interesting is when I planned on covering this part of the topic last week, there were 5,000 people less. Oh, wow. So in the last week, 5,000 people have joined. Yeah, still growing. So I would very much suggest that I've seen a lot of posts in there where people are like, because I lost my family, you're every you're my family. Like, a lot of people are relying on QAnon casualties as almost a source for like, how do I do this? How do I do this? Like, I I can't talk to my mom anymore. Like, how, like what do sure. I do? So it's been, it looks like it's becoming a really wonderful place in terms of an actual community. So please go check those out. I am so sorry that uh, this was so long, but I do want to say that even though this was three episodes and several hours long of information, <laughs> the, one of the reasons I covered it so intensely is because it is shocking how many people that listen to this podcast are affected by this. I only know because of Tea Time Tuesday, which I guess in its own is like a little blessing in disguise because I became aware of this. I don't think I would have cared as much or realized that I should care as much had I not seen every week people writing in being like, I just lost my dad. I just lost my brother. My best friend is in QAnon. I don't know what to do. And so I I have had a little bit of a window or a little light shed on it to me. And if you are out there listening to this podcast, which there are many of you, if you have lost loved ones, you're not even alone in the and that's why we drink community. There's a lot of you. So please don't feel like you can't find each other and and take care of each other because this is a really, really terrible thing. And I identify it as a cult. 
Others don't have to, but just it's from... It's dangerous no matter what you label it. It's dangerous. It's not... This isn't cute. So, the end. That is QAnon. I never, ever want to talk about it again. Q oh isn't cute. That's the end. We're not talking about Q it. Q ain't cute. Q ain't Q cute. Q ain't cute. Anyway. Wow. Holy shit. I'm so sorry, Christine. But I just wanted to do everyone a, a justice and like not just kind of no, like skim through it. No, I can't it believe and... it's over. It's like been such a it's finally over for all of us. Wow. Wow. I'm good job. Wow. You did Thank it. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I did it. I can't wait to go back to talking about ghosts next week, everyone. This was really <laughs> fucking awful. And like, I, I'm sitting here complaining that I had to talk about it for three days of my life. And there are people out there living this. So right. I can't imagine it's it was for me. This is the most entitled part of it is that like, I was so exhausted and mentally drained from doing research. I can't imagine having someone in my life going through or this having things. to do the research because it personally yes affects exactly you. yeah that's a good point but you did a, a you did a good service you did a, a good thank thing. you my goal is to pull one person out of QAnon that's, yeah that would be a very delightful if that's the one thing that ever came out of and that's why we drink beautiful yeah agreed agreed and I would have just been sitting here drinking <laughs> and watching it happen and I'm fine with that <laughs> <laughs> Don't spit on the microphone. You picked a really bad time. Sorry. I, the biggest gulp of water in my mouth. Okay, maybe you I... picked a bad time. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm closing. I'm closing my QAnon notes. It feels so Yay. nice. Oh, I bet. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for being so patient. No. That. It was fascinating. Uh, I ate a muffin, so I'm feeling better. Oh, good. I love when you feel better and you're... jazzed up. Oh, I love a good jazzed Christine. My I know, little we're jazzed, approaching. I was gonna say my little jazz cucaracha. God, well, we're approaching dinner time, so I'm getting, I'm getting antsy, hungry. Um, okay, let's see. So I have a story for you today. This is called the Snowtown Murders, aka the Bodies in Barrels Murders, is how most people know it. Bodies in Barrels. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome. But okay. Yeah, well, it's an Australian story, so it's definitely more popular there. A lot of people, uh, Case File covered this, and um, it was a very early episode for them. But uh, he was saying he's always known it growing up in Australia, so it Ooh. seems to be something that's more well known over there. All right, but this story was recommended by a listener named Jacqueline Bremner. So thank you, Jacqueline. I'm sure other people have, you know, emailed it in, but that's the one we saw. So May 9th, 1999 is where we're going. We are in South Australia. And I also want to add there are a lot of people and moving parts in the story. Okay. Like it got confusing writing it down. So Ooh. please ask me if, if you're like, who's that again? Or which one's that? Because it's very, very, there's a lot of people. And I, I tried to make it as simple as possible. But just let me know if you're confused about anything. Got it. So, got it. Got it. The first two characters here are David Johnson, who's 24 years old, and his stepbrother, Jamie Vlasakis, who's 19. They are on their way to pick up an old computer. So as they arrive in a small town called Snowtown, which, for context, in, 2000, uh, in 2006 had a population of 405, so very small oh, town. okay. They pulled up outside an old brick building and went through a side door. Obviously, thinking he's there to pick up a new computer... David never expected that instead he would be the final victim of a brutal series of murders called the Snowtown Murders. Oh, shit. Okay. Yikes. It would be about two weeks later that police arrived at said building and the city of Snowtown's reputation would be tarnished forever. To the point. Sorry, I thought you were 
leaning in to say something. I was just going to say, oh boy, for the millionth time. So I just decided to hold on to it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy is right. So the town got such a bad reputation because of this that locals requested to change the town's name from Snowtown to Rosetown. Uh, spoiler alert, the request was rejected. So it's still Snowtown. Oh, okay. Although the story ends in Snowtown, it begins in Adelaide, which is about a two-hour drive south. So we're going to go there real quick. And this begins in 1992. So you find in Adelaide 22-year-old Clinton Trezies. And Clinton had a tough childhood growing up, so he uh, spent a lot of time hopping around foster care for a number of years. And by 1992, he had been fully settled in Adelaide and had recently made two friends. Now, this, yeah, cute. So this is where things get iffy online as far as the identity of people, the the gender identity of people, pronouns. It gets very convoluted. So I just want to be clear and upfront here that some podcasts have gotten, um, have had to take their episodes down because they were, I don't know the right word confronted about the way they approach the story so i'm gonna try and do my best to cover this the most respectfully i can it's also very unclear this was the 90s early 90s and there wasn't like so terminology terminology is all fucked up maybe but there wasn't like any way for me to know how these people identified in 1992 because they weren't posting on live journal or like sharing their pronouns on instagram or anything so it's it's mostly through the media which obviously we know we can't necessarily trust how the media represents people in the LGBTQ community as far as identity, so it's it's yeah. very iffy. I'll I'll smack you around a little bit if uh, if if something but sounds that, but out of line. But the problem is it, the problem is that like we don't know because that that's the issue is like we don't know if they identified one way or another. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, then I guess then I mean if you're going off of sources like the only sources that we've got, then I mean there's nothing else you can do. So. so, okay, here's what I'll tell you. So there was this friend that Clinton made named Barry Lane. That's what they were known as. However, they often went by Vanessa okay. and were known to dress as a woman. Okay. However, he called himself a gay man. However, a lot of times he wanted people to call him Vanessa. So it was very unclear how some people used Vanessa, some people used Barry, I mean, in his own life. So it wasn't totally clear i'm gonna use they them pronouns because it's so up for debate that i'm sure. like i don't want to decide for them sure I, I mean yeah it sounds like i don't know I don't, I don't even know what it sounds like i might it, right it's so confusing and there's another person in here as well with the same kind of background oh. and so i'm gonna use they them pronouns for them as well because <laughs> what a headache oh but I, I, I get it i get why you're stressed but also like yeah i'm sorry you have to go through this but it's a headache because because you want to do the you want to do them justice. You want to well, identify sure, them properly. Of course, but it's also a headache because there are like forty people in this story. So it's not like I see. Oh, the two main characters are, you know, they them it's like you have you know, there are like forty different people involved and so I'm trying to keep track of Well also in terms who, of like political correctness too, like you want to make sure that you you're not accidentally dead naming them while trying exactly. to let me know who you're talking about because nobody gave exactly. you the right information on what name they would prefer. Right. And the last thing I want to do is use someone's dead name, but it, again, that's mostly what every article and source uses. So it's like I either have to commit to using one name or the other. I'm gonna use Vanessa because that is the one that I mean, you'll hear more about this, but okay. I'm going to go with, well, for most of these people anyway, I use their last name, so that doesn't even really become an issue. Oh, good. But okay. 
I'm gonna use they them pronouns to just make sure I'm not, you know, deciding for anybody. Sure. Um, so I just want to put that out there. So Lane, Barry slash Vanessa, depending on which source you read, Lane, and Robert Wagner. Now they're they're a couple. So Clinton befriends this couple. Lane and Wagner is usually what I end up calling them, last names. Um, so they'd been in a relationship since 1985 when Wagner was 13 and Lane was 28. Yeesh. Oh, we found our controversial part here. The, fr- the R1 <laughs> controversial part. Yeah, no. This huh, is a, okay. the, smallest, the smallest element of this whole story that's controversial. Yeah. Got it. Okay, 20, 23 and or 28. 13, 13 and 28. So, yikes. Ooh, okay. That's like you dating a 13-year-old. I got it. It's it's yep. that's a tough one to defend. <laughs> it's not good. That's not a tough good. one to defend. Yeah. Um, so while Wagner was not super open with his sexuality and orientation, Lane was. Um, according to Killer Queen's podcast, Lane was known to dress in women's clothing and go by the name Vanessa, but there was little information about whether they identified as a woman. There's debate online about the pronouns, um, but the website Trans Lives Matter uses they them pronouns. So I think that's just what I'm going to go with. Nice, safe bet. I would say, right? Yeah, like, I would say so. Respecting them in I, the most. I would think if anyone had, went by multiple names and you just didn't know what the best one was, just go by they, them, and last names, and it's just easier. Right. It's just, you know, rather than risk, like... Totally disrespecting them. Yeah, totally disrespecting them. Exactly. So what Clinton, who is uh, the guy who just befriended Lane Wagner, what Clinton didn't know is that Lane and Wagner were actually members of a group of social misfits led by a total psychopath. Oh, you had me in the first half. I was like, social misfits? Social misfits makes it sound really innocent and like the freaking little rascals or something. But no, it's it's a lot more sinister than that. Got it. A, A lot more sinister than that. So... In August of that year, Lane and Wagner invite Clint to their friend's house. Now, this friend is John Bunting. And uh, spoiler alert, he's the psychopath. Okay, got it. Is he actually a psychopath? Uh, That is what the sources tell me. All right. Okay. It is not me making up a... It's not me saying, oh, what a psycho. It's, It's... a legitimate term being used. Uh. Wow, we're really just like almost offending everyone today. Well, aren't I mean, we? a psychopath <laughs> is a per- like. I'm not like saying, oh, he's just I know, a psycho. I, I mean, it is an official terminology. Um, so yes, that's John Bunting. So got it. Lane and Wagner invite Clint to their friend John Bunting's house on Waterloo Corner Road in the Adelaide suburb of Salisbury North. So Clinton is sitting in the lounge of the house. When suddenly, someone attacks him from behind, repeatedly hitting him on the back of the head with a shovel, not only fracturing his skull, but killing him on the spot. Oh. So welcome. Welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, wow. Um, John Bunting, Lane, and Wagner drove his body north, buried him in a shallow grave. And it was a couple weeks later that Clinton's sister, Sherry, filed a missing persons report with police. Uh, looking for her brother. So she files a missing persons report for her brother. And uh, turns out the reason that these folks decided to murder Clinton is because they believed he was a pedophile. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. In co- I told you this is a big one. Okay. This is a landmine episode. You were right. You were right. <laughs> I was like pulling my hair out earlier trying to make sure I covered all my bases. Um, So in conversations after his murder, his murderers uh, remembered him by the name as Happy Pants. And to be clear, they thought he was a pedophile, believed he was a pedophile. Nobody ever gave any sort of evidence that 
he was a pedophile. This isn't like, Got it. oh, they found out that he was and so they killed him. This was like, they decided he was. Just like random fucking hearsay. Zero. Just like. Yeah. You'll see why. I mean, it all kind of comes out where that thinking come, stems from. Okay. You can probably guess, but anyway. I have a hunch, but yes, let's go yeah. on. <laughs> so if you haven't guessed it, which I'm sure you have, Clinton's murder was orchestrated by our resident psychopath, John Bunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the guy whose house they'd all gone to. And John lived with his wife, Veronica, at the house on Waterloo Corner Road where Clint had been murdered. John was someone who had always, not shockingly, seemed to have a pretty dark side to him. Growing up, he was known to collect chemicals and submerge insects into them to watch them die. Oh. As well- <laughs> oh, oh, cute. As well as dig tunnels under his childhood house until his dad figured out what he was doing and stopped him because it was dangerous. But that's not something like I would do, dig tunnels under the house. Yeah, I, I mean- want to know what the end goal was before I judge him. I'm like... <laughs> okay, valid point. I'm like, was valid there point. treasure? Were we doing... I'm like, like, that sounds fun. Were we doing a little, if like, putting- escape room situation? Like, you know... Or is it like an escape room situation oh. that I don't want to be a part of? Because then Yikes. no thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a teenager, he got into Nazism. And that is where his hate of the queer community, or as he put it, gays and pedophiles, began. Well, So that is where the whole kind of angle of, oh, I'm deciding who is a pedophile and who's not. And then I will do my vigilante justice and kill them. Right. Is where that all came and from. And it's always a great place to start when you compare the two as one and say gays and pedophiles, basically the same, you know. Same thing. Same difference. Right? Great start. Exactly. So at age 22, uh, Bunting worked in a slaughterhouse and reportedly bragged about slaughtering the animals, saying that's what he enjoyed the most. Uh, it was at the house on Waterloo Corner Road where he met his neighbors, Lane and Wagner. Uh oh. And Lane and I remember Lane and Wagner. Yes, I'm saying uh oh. Like, uh, why? Or is he? He doesn't like them, right? He's not going to like them. No, they already murdered someone together. Oh, right, they murdered right, right, right. Clinton together. Okay, got it. They. Th- that's what part of the. That's part of the. The thing. The bigger issue, yeah. So they are already friends, but this is just telling how they met. So. He met his neighbors, Lane and Wagner, and they started to get on board with Bunting's outlook on life and his violent attitude toward the world. Like you were just basically suggesting, it's bizarre because 35-year-old Lane and 20-year-old Wagner are in what a lot of people that at that time considered a same-sex relationship, mm-hmm. uh, either that or some sort of queer relationship that right. you would think a Nazi who's very anti-quote gay and pedophile would not be supportive of right Right. so it was a little odd um but for bunting it was excusable because wagner was bunting's close friend and his partner in crime and he was like fine if that's your partner that you choose i'll allow it for now Mm. so wagner himself uh he he's the one who started dating lane at age 13 So Wagner had a troubling childhood where his stepfather used to repeatedly beat him. He met Lane, like I said, and they began their relationship when he was only 13 and Lane was 28. Considering Bunting's mission to get rid of pedophiles, this is the other layer of this, is that Lane was a convicted pedophile. I mean, to be fair, he's having a relationship with a 13-year-old. So like, Yeah. yeah, not surprising. But so Lane was a convicted pedophile. So on top of being queer, also 
was literally by law considered a pedophile. Got it. Okay. And yet bunting was just like, that's different. You know, that's fine. Yeah, that makes zero percent chance or zero percent sense. Yes. Yeah, it, it it's all listen, I'm telling you, I don't think I ever really understood migraines until I <laughs> I was like, is this what a migraine is when my whole <laughs> my skin hurts and I can't open my eyes? And oh, my God. Um, so Lane and Wagner, as I kind of suggested, shared a home near Bunting's house. So they were neighbors and that's how they had met. And they were frequent visitors at Bunting's house uh, because they were like super into his horrifying outlook on the world. And they also often brought along their friend Mark Hayden. So there are these four folks uh, they became fascinated with Bunting's sick obsession with cruelty and vengeance, and they all got on board and were like, you know what? Speaking of cults, they all got on board and were like, you're right. You're changing the world. You're making it a better place by getting rid of, quote, gays and pedophiles. Yikes. And we're in on it with you. We are jumping aboard. So, yikes indeed. If you fast forward now to 1994, it's been two years since Clinton's murder. He was the one who had gotten hit with a shovel right. for just, like, coming over once right uh so on august 16th of 1994 two farmers unfortunately well i guess fortunately in that they found his body they made a gruesome discovery they found a shattered human skull and other human remains in a rural township called lower light and it was clinton's body but unfortunately police wouldn't be able to identify him until five years later so now we know who it was but at the time they had no clue and so it took five years for that to come out Um, So at the time of the body being discovered, Bunting, according to thecriminalcode.com, spent the greater part of 1994 investing in his new hobby. Uh, This is not good. Uh Uh-oh. His hobby was killing and skinning cats and dogs. Good night. (laughs) Moving on. Good day. I want to warn people. (laughs) That's that's the end of that. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes people write like, oh, I, I, I can tell by... How quickly Christine says something about cats and dogs, like, that it'll be over soon. So, yeah, it's over. We're moving on. We've ripped the Um, Band-Aid. We ripped the Band-Aid. Ripped off the Band-Aid. That's the end of animal cruelty. So, he also continued to build up his group of social outcasts. So, remember, he's, like, kind of cult-like gathering these people who look up to him as their leader. Yes. So, we've got Lane. We've got Wagner, who's Lane's partner. We have Hayden, their friend. And the last recruit, or the latest recruit, is a recent divorcee named Elizabeth Harvey. So she joins the group, and Elizabeth and Bunting begin a sexual affair. But remember, he's already married to his wife, Veronica. Right, right. So again, this just gets really convoluted. But basically, he starts having an affair with this new divorced woman who joins their group. So Elizabeth. This results in Elizabeth moving into Bunting's home in 1995. Uh, Presumably, Veronica's still there. So... Who knows? Just a fun, fun gang of folks. Super duper. Okay. Just like a... Okay. Big anyway, party. moving on. <laughs> so she brings with her her two sons from previous marriages, and their names are Troy Yudi, uh, who's 18, and James or Jamie Vlasakis, who okay. is 14. And now that name might sound familiar because Jamie Vlasakis is the one who way up at the top of the notes was with his friend David Johnson to pick up a computer when uh-huh. David became a victim, the last victim of the Snowtown murder. I see. I see where we're, where we're heading. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's nowhere it. great. Um, so sorry about that. 
So in what seems to be uh, an unfortunate thread in the story, Troy and Jamie also had difficult traumatic upbringings. Jamie's birth father had sexually abused Troy growing up, which is thought to be part of the reason Troy in turn then sexually abused his younger brother, Jamie. Uh, Elizabeth wasn't necessarily bringing her sons into a healthy environment here either, because as David Johnson's, um, so that was the first victim up top who's getting a computer, at one, uh, his stepfather later described Bunting as not interested in sport. He had no hobbies. It just seemed that the sun rose and the sun set on pedophilia, and that would be virtually all he'd discuss. Jeez. So now this woman's having a relationship with him. She brings her two sons who've had a troubled background and are still really young into this house. And this is now the environment they're exposed to. Just awesome. like perfect storm mess. Mm. So... Bunting, unfortunately, was able to get Jamie under his wing. Like, he took him under his wing pretty quickly. So he became kind of his, like, I don't know, mentor. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So while Elizabeth and her sons are moving in uh, not far from Bunting's house, a 26-year-old Ray Davies, who lives in a rented caravan, parked behind the house of 47-year-old Suzanne Allen, his landlady. So... One day in 1995, Ray Davies, who was actually also a former lover of Suzanne's, uh, <laughs> his, I'm telling you, Em, I'm it's sorry, I'm so headache-inducing. I, I, you really, you weren't kidding, because I, you were like, oh, there's so many names, and I was like, okay, I got it, I'm on it, and then I'm just like, every time I have barely filed one away, uh-huh. I'm opening up a new filing cabinet in my head. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's like files within files within files that are then attached to other files that are then linked back to another file. It's so messy. Um, it's, 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 uh, usually I love a good set of drama. Like a, a It is a into, lot of drama. You're right. Walking into a lot, like a family drama is usually very fun for me. This because of its dark tendencies. No. And also I cannot keep up with everyone. It's like the Duggars all over again. Oh it my is. God. It is. Like I'm asking you to do a lot here. Um <laughs> think you just need me to think got it no i'm asking myself to do a lot because this is like so wildly okay convoluted so the most recent there's ray and sue and his landlord who he's also hooked up with before yes suzanne exactly so ray and suzanne so ray hears frantic knocking on his door and it's suzanne and she is furious and she accuses ray of molesting a child she knows as well as making sexual advances toward her grandsons oh so Ray's like, no, I did not do that, and protests his innocence, but she still goes off to tell the police, and guess who she bumps into along the way but good old Bunting from across the road. Of course. You know how Bunting feels about pedophiles. I know how he feels about some pedophiles, not the <laughs> some, ones that are his friends. <laughs> quote, unquote. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So what Bunting hears from Alan, from Suzanne, is basically all the excuse he needs to justify his urge to kill a new victim, a.k.a. Oh. Ray. Because he's like, great, well, I've been wanting to kill somebody, and you're telling me Ray is potentially a pedophile? I'm on it. Oh, my God. John captures Ray, binds and throws him into the trunk of a car. John and his peeps drive, you know, his pal, his friends that Mm -hmm. live with him and hang out with him. They drive Ray to the bushland, which in Australia is typically um, like a blanket term for natural land that's only lightly settled natural vegetation okay um and there they torture him before taking him back to bunting's house where he's tortured even more and ultimately strangled to death and elizabeth harvey the one who moved in and started an affair with him and brought her two sons yeah 
She, uh, his new girlfriend, is present during this murder as well and has been basically fully indoctrinated that, like, he deserves it because he is a pedophile. So during the torture, Bunting encourages her to get involved. So she picks up a ceramic tool and, like, stabs him in the leg. So he's really just, like, pulling all these people into his, like, sick fantasy, you know? Oh. By basically, like, I mean, not to, again, pull Hewn on it, but it's basically saying, like, look, you're saving the world in mm-hmm. this twisted way. Like, you're ridding the world of pedophiles, but it's like, no, like, none of this is proven. It's all, like, alleged, right. you know? Like, um, we're, like, we're all gathering together for this alleged thing that no one has confirmed, but, but also, that you'll save the world. And it's our responsibility, says no one except right. us. Uh-huh. Fully, okay. exactly. And like Bunting says that it's okay and that we're doing the right thing. And so that's basically where they were. Um, he must have been one charming mofo because he's just getting people to fall in love with him. He's getting friends to murder people for him. I mean, uh, he must be a charming fella. So. I don't have friends that nice. I don't have friends no! who would listen to me that, that oh, loyally. Hell no. Uh, nope. Me neither. No offense, him, but no <laughs> offense. Um, so Ray's body is dumped and buried in a shallow grave in Bunting's backyard. I guess he couldn't even bother to drive out to the bushland to bury him. Um, and even more tragically, Ray Davies was never reported missing, at least from what I could gather. So nobody wow. even reported him missing. Um, now, guess who started to get turned on by this whole uh <laughs> this whole murder situation it was suzanne ray davies landlady slash lover who accused him of being a pedophile was like actually i'm like super into this <laughs> what in the world so i know it- oh my gosh i know and that's why i was saying like like and then on top of it it was like well now you have to figure out how to reference people who aren't whose identities aren't totally clear but you don't want to be disrespectful and that's only right. like two small parts of this whole story where everyone's name is so confusing already anyway wow so <laughs> basically what a, what a what a topic to say aha uh-huh, this is the one this is the one we gotta do <laughs> why why I, so so okay so just to just so i have Full I think everyone needs this. Yes, please. Well, go ahead. I, the the thing I'm going to ask about is: so was Suzanne into the fact that people were pedophiles, or that they were dying, that they're no, being killed? No, no, no. She was really turned on by the murder of Ray. Okay, that's what I. That's, okay, yeah. Just to check. As well, as were the other people in the group. I w- I wouldn't necessarily say turned on, but they were all like on board with it. They were all mentally overstimulated by it. They were fully a a little aroused in some way. In some way, whether that was intellectually, spiritually, sexually, who knows? Emotionally? Maybe just emotionally. But yeah, so Suzanne was not even a part of this group, right? But then she finds out about this and is like, okay, I'm like super into that. I'm super into the fact. I've been looking for a social circle. I'm Yes. Found you know, you. my Mahjong group just isn't cutting it anymore. <laughs> so I'm so glad I found you folks. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, now they have another uh, member of their group. So this is where things. <laughs> so let's just keep going. Um, so Suzanne then begins a sexual relationship with Bunting as well. So she's clearly turned on by the murder and by him. So she now Bunting is sleeping with Suzanne and elizabeth and now he and he still has his wife veronica wow so veronica let's <laughs> veronica girl get it together somewhere in the mix i don't know where she seems <laughs> to drop off eventually so maybe she makes it out of there but hopefully he now has this new lover and it's suzanne from across the road 
And at this point, like I said, Bunting's married to Veronica in a relationship with Elizabeth and now in a relationship with Suzanne. However, Suzanne becomes obsessed with him to the point where her sexual advances start to annoy him. Oh. So guess what happens? (laughs) Does he fucking kill her? She just like disappears. So. Oh. (laughs) That's spooky. Okay. Um, What a weird coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. So Suzanne is the one who accused Ray of being a pedophile, then got really turned on when he was murdered, then got obsessed with the guy who murdered him, then was disappeared uh, when she became a little too clingy. Yikes. So after her family reported her missing, the police went to her home and her her place, which was normally pretty neat and tidy, had been fully trashed. Um, and the two people who knew where she was were John Bunting, of course, and Robert Wagner, his his partner in crime. Uh, it was later discovered that her body had been dismembered, wrapped in 11 <gasps> garbage bags, and buried in Bunting's backyard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. It's, like, so extra oh. and horrific. Um, so, initially, the police didn't even think this had anything to do with foul play because all they saw was the messy apartment. Uh, so, Suzanne was just reported missing. Um, and Bunting would later claim <laughs> this was his later attempt at sounding innocent. He later claimed he had found Suzanne dead in her bed after she suffered from a heart attack. And it was only then that they decided to dismember her and put her in 11 trash bags and bury I was going to say, I was going to say, like, <laughs> oh, you, you found her dead and you went, aha, I know what's next. I know what to do. <laughs> What I got this. World? Don't worry. It's like yeah. I've I've seen this nowhere before. I know exactly what to do next. That's I've terrible. Seen this on my own YouTube channel that I invented because nobody else on the planet has ever had this thought before. <laughs> yeah. Like so sick and twisted. So his excuse oh. was like, no, no, no. She was already dead. That's why I dismembered her and put her in eleven trash bags. It's don't like, you that. see? Can't you yeah, see? Now, oh, I see what you, I see where the miscommunication happened. Uh-huh. It's like, that doesn't really excuse you, well, in my opinion, from anything, but who am I to say? So they dismembered her either way and began collecting her social security payments. So not great. Uh, and in 1996, Bunting, Elizabeth Harvey, one of his lovers, and her two sons, Troy and James, mm-hmm. moved to live in a town called Murray Bridge, around 100 kilometers away. And there's no mention of Veronica, so we're assuming was, she just kind was, of didn't show up. Didn't come I was like, them. let's pray that she actually left and isn't also somewhere in 11 trash bags. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah. Let's let's hope she, like, stayed, but not in a dead way, in, like, a I'm going to start a new happy life way. Like, she, she stayed in, like, a am going to grab my keys and just casually go to the gas just station and then out of never the come back. Yeah. <laughs> And get a new job and a new life and, and just a whole, live a new, I- new identity. Yeah. New identity. So hopefully that's what happened because Veronica just kind of like poof out of the picture, which we can only hope for the best. But so uh, his other two are gone now. So Veronica's gone and Suzanne is in some trash bags. So he and Elizabeth oh and her two sons move to a different town. And unfortunately, this is not the end. I know it sounds like, oh, happily ever after. Nope. This is just he's just getting started with his whole his whole uh, mission, quote unquote. Mm. So he still keeps in close contact with his BFF, Robert Wagner. Um, And in this new house, I guess maybe this is, he got it on Wayfair. I don't know. He has this like crime wall. (laughs) It's like basically (laughs) the cliche, like string, red string. Oh my God. Like a, like a sunny, like always sunny. It's always sunny, red string crime wall. Uh Um, And he calls it, (laughs) he calls it, the rock spider wall. Now, I will explain that. Okay, please do. Because because 
I didn't get you it. You had me either. at red string wall. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it was a bunch of pictures connected by red string. Uh, and a rock spider is actually a term for a prisoner sent to jail for pedophilia. So he created this like pedophile mind map thing. And uh, this is how he decided he was going to track all these people that he was, quote, you know, after for their quote unquote sins that he's making up. Gotcha. Um, so all the names on the wall were people that Bunting has deemed child molesters, even if there was not any actual evidence. Oh, fun. So it's just a <laughs> it's a wall of pictures of people. The end. It's a wall of pictures of random people that he's decided are targets torture and murder yeah for no reason it's it's pretty wild so oh my goodness yeah it's like a bad episode of criminal minds where there's like you're like this doesn't have much sense to it but like this is actually what happened so it's like just fucking bananas it's bananas wow okay so he now has this fun wall um apparently sometimes he would even this is not a joke find a name at random in the phone book and call them and just start accusing them and abusing them over the phone um oh so this person is actually not mentally well i think he's like thoroughly unhinged at this point because he's literally randomly deciding that people that he's never met are i was gonna say it's like it's one thing if like you are completely wrong but you had some sort of like Mm -hmm. reason Mm -hmm. to think it versus like oh i'm just gonna call you because i don't like how your fucking name sounds you must be a pedophile like you spell ashley weird so i'm gonna give you a call (laughs) and i've decided that you're a pedophile exactly exactly it's like so nonsensical (laughs) like there's no connection at all and so even the people where in the beginning it was like oh suzanne accused him of being a pedophile it's like okay he took it too far in his thinking obviously like he he wanted a reason and someone gave it to him but this time no one's even no one's given him reasons He's creating reasons. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. nobody's even giving him a, a breadcrumb to follow. He's Got just it. inventing it. And well, we'll get to it. But I was like, and meanwhile, Lane is like literally a convicted pedophile and has been left alone this whole time. But whatever, uh-huh. we'll get to it. So uh, yeah, so he called people up occasionally just to be like, hey, you're a pedophile. And they were like, this is Macy's. Can I help you? Okay. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> this is a Wendy's. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. Please, we don't serve whatever you're asking for. Oh, my gosh. Um, at the this center is Macy's. Of... <laughs> I don't know why that was the first fucking business I could think of. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny, but it really just is the exact opposite of, like, pedophilia. Which, by the way, they should use as a slogan. Macy's, the exact opposite of... <laughs> I've heard they're having some financial trouble in the 21st century. Maybe they should hire me as their marketing consultant. <laughs> like, Kohl's, it's like, we got Kohl's cash. Macy's, we don't have pedophiles. So, like, come on in. We're equally great, if not better. <laughs> we were not on the rock spider wall. And I think that's saying something. <laughs> okay why is it called the rock spider wall i told you because rock spider is a term for a prisoner oh right 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 right. okay it's a pedophile mind map em come on get with the program it's a mind map you can only get it at macy's (laughs) (laughs) labor day sale yeah it's very (laughs) now i'm just shouting out things about department stores I'm just thinking of like, uh, like all those commercials where it just says "Bogo," you know? <laughs> Bogo. Oh no! Okay, 
Okay, we're sorry. Macy's, don't sue us, please. Macy's, we know that you only have the best intentions in mind. So, whoo, basically, he had this rock spider wall. And at the center of the rock spider wall was one person. Do you have a guess as to the which CEO of, of Macy's? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a guess as to who in the above may be his new target? Since, uh, uh, no, because I, I lost total. I lost yeah, all is reasoning. Mean, is it is, is it Wag quiz. is it Wagner or or um Lane? It's Lane, yeah. Okay. The, the part the ex partner of Wagner. So Vanessa oh. Lane, who initially went by Barry, so it's you know. Said both ways. Again, I don't want to intentionally dead name anyone, but Vanessa Lane, Wagner's now ex-partner, who had been fundamental in that first murder of Clinton. Right. Uh, now, I guess now that they're broken up, Wagner and Lane, now uh, they're the center of the rock spider wall because they're not off limits anymore. I'm not really sure. But now suddenly Lane is target number one. And by spring of 1997, Bunting decides it's time to kill again. Now, we're not at Lane yet. So Lane is like the the, the epitome of this whole plot. But okay. his next victim is actually 19-year-old Michael Gardner was the name that is mostly used. However, there are a lot of debates on this because they also went by Michelle oh, okay. Gardner. Got it. Um, And another and we, person. And, and we have no idea how it, they actually identified. So No. There's no way Very of unclear if there's a dead name or they're both exactly. valid names. Okay. Exactly. Because oftentimes it was written that that they were an outwardly gay man who was very open about it, but also went by Michelle, but also it, it, it's just a lot of conflicting info out there. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go again with the website Trans Lives Matter, who use they, them pronouns for Michelle. Sure. So I'm just going to use that to, to be as careful as possible. Um, so it seems that Michelle was their preferred name, so I'm going to also go with that. Okay. So Michelle was close with their landlady, Nicole Zarita. So they rented out uh, one of the rooms in Nicole's place, and the two of them had a great relationship. Um, they'd even, like, paint each other's fingernails and dress up together, just, like, very close. It's all these landladies are, like, befriending their tenants. It's a little strange They're to having me, but... really intimate relationships. <laughs> really intimate. You're right. Whether it's sexual or, like, slumber parties. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's like, I yeah. don't do that with... If, the only thing I do with my landlord is make Allison scream at her about our fucking <laughs> roaches and roommates even, or uh, I don't even neighbors. have, like slumber parties with my own friends anymore i'm like how do you find time to have a slumber party with your landlady but okay um i guess if you live in the same building it's easier um so let's see so like i said michelle was friends with the landlady nicole um they had a great relationship and now this is a sentence that i italicized because i was like i need to say this clearly because it's really kind of confusing so okay nicole is the landlady nicole's cousin vicky lives nearby Land and is having an affair with robert wagner who is Ugh. this is like lane's ex-partner <laughs> this is like my hometown in terms of like <laughs> drama and everyone knowing each other and it being weirdly incestuous I oh god okay yeah. so the so the landlord the one who's having the weird sleepover with yeah their cousin is now dating wagner after right. they broke up with lane yeah so wagner had broken up with lane right exactly and wagner's now dating this woman named vicky who's cousins with nicole the landlady who has a tenant 
named Michelle Gardner. I do 90% get what you're saying. Okay. Uh, it's like I 80% get what I'm saying. So I'm glad you understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, A plus, I whew. guess, is what I'm getting then if I'm smarter than you on finally on something. Not finally. I think we've all seen this uh, from day one, but, but I th- thanks. I think my my high interest in drama and like listening to other people's stories. And when I say drama, I mean drama I am not affiliated with. But like my high interest. <laughs> That's the best kind of drama. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite thing to do is like people watch, but only dramatic people. And like, yeah. So I have been practicing for a long time to be You're able like to keep You're like primed up. for this setup this web i'm loving yeah, yeah. i'm loving i'm loving the uh the debate or not the debate the uh uh the interaction amongst everyone so oh yeah i mean maybe i should create my own rock spider wall and just like put everybody's face i'm not you know what I mean? gonna sit here and pretend like that wouldn't be wildly helpful i think it would be extremely helpful but unfortunately i'm not gonna do it so my bad <laughs> okay <laughs> i Never do mind. not have the time for that <laughs> if you have the time to print out all those photos you can send them to me and we'll figure we'll, it out we'll do but we'll do now. a family tree on ancestry or something and <laughs> oh god, branch oh, everyone god. Off. um yeah so basically what I'm trying to say is essentially that Michelle got roped into this whole crowd uh-huh. inadvertently by accident because they were living in Nicole's building and Nicole's cousin was dating Robert Wagner. I got so it. So basically uh, they hear it was inevitable that Bunting would hear about Michelle who lived in this building and not surprisingly did not approve of their lifestyle. Right. Quote unquote, I want to say lifestyle right. as uh, they had put it. So. It was just inevitable for them to cross paths because so-and-so was dating so-and-so's cousin and, you know, whole deal. So one day, an incident involving one of uh, Vicky's children pushed Vicky, who's who's dating Wagner, pushed Vicky and Wagner into a rage. They'd apparently come home to see Michelle chasing Mill's excited kid around the room, which was all fun and games. However, Vicky and Robert got angered when Michelle playfully caught the kid and accidentally put their hand over the kid's mouth while trying to grab him. Hmm. And Wagner and Mills decided this was sinister and that Michelle was a pedophile also. Yeah, okay. Was wondering <laughs> about that. We all saw that coming. Yep. Okay. It was bound to happen. Yep. Um, so when Nicole went on a trip soon after this event, obviously Wagner has told Bunting all about this because they're BFFs and partners in crime Mm -hmm. and like literal partners in crime. So Bunting and Wagner decide to make their move when Nicole, the landlord is out of town because now it means Michelle's at home alone. Got it. So Michelle, this is horrible, is abducted and taken to the shed behind Bunting's house where they are tortured and strangled to death. Uh, Their body was dismembered, limbs thrown into an acid-filled barrel uh, that they just casually had lying around the shed. Um, You know, how you do. Of course. Of course. So uh, Bunting and Wagner then broke into Nicole's house and searched for Michelle's wallet to access their bank details, but they couldn't find it anywhere. Because, of course, they want the money immediately because they were taking, like, social security payments from the other people they've killed. So they're like, well, let's get get their wallet. Oh, my gosh. they took all of Michelle's belongings and some of uh, some of Nicole's to make it look like uh, Michelle had ransacked the place and left and fled. So they wanted Nicole to come home from her trip and walk in and go like, oh, shit, Michelle took all my stuff and ran, which is pretty much what happened. So Nicole wow. got home, was totally shaken, but was like, OK, I guess I guess they left uh, with with my stuff. However... Nicole eventually finds Michelle's wallet under the bed. And oh. Nicole's like, 
that's odd because if Michelle was leaving, why would they leave without their wallet? Right. Strange. So in passing conversation, ugh, Nicole tells Wagner, hey, it's really weird. You know how like Michelle had left left me behind? Well, they also left their wallet. Isn't that odd? And remember, Wagner was like part of the team trying to find this wallet. So they're yes. like, ding, 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 it exists. So after hearing this and wanting to access Michelle's money, Bunting gets his crew to start calling Nicole up in an attempt to convince her that they are friends of Michelle's and Michelle wants their wallet back. Oh, God. So God, okay. <laughs> so she refuses, saying, like, fine, if Michelle wants their wallet, they can come and get it. Exactly. Especially because she's also thinking, Michelle took all my shit and left. Like, <laughs> no way. Like, they can come bring my stuff back and get their wallet and we'll trade. Yeah, exactly. You know? that. Got it. Okay. I'm liking that person so far like makes sense yeah Yeah, they're like why on earth would i come meet you for this wallet if they ransacked my home and like pieced out like they can get their wallet so obviously they're frustrated because they're like well shit we need to find a way to get this wallet we obviously michelle's gone so we can't use them to get it there's even a part what nothing i think i figured out what's gonna happen oh do tell because i i'm already like are they going to remember are they gonna dress up as them and no no sneak in oh okay I don't know if this was like a a little rascals, like like a bunch of people. Trench coat situation. (laughs) No, uh, unfortunately, no fun visuals like that. But so Nicole started getting more and more calls uh, claiming the urgency of getting this wallet back, along with a bizarre call from someone claiming to be Michelle, Hmm. which she's like, that's I know that's not Michelle. Bye. Like, leave me alone. At that point, I I would just not trust any single Michelle-related phone call. I'd be like, like, okay. Something is going on. And that's pretty much what happens because eventually Wagner somehow convinces her to just hand it over because at this point I'd be like, okay, there's something going on here. Like, I don't want this wallet anymore. Right. You know, like, why would you want to be involved? Yeah. I'd be like, fine, take it. Take the wallet, which is pretty much what happens. So they get hold of this wallet. Okay, all's happy. So while all this is happening... Vanessa Lane, John's big target, primo target on the rock spider wall, uh, gets a new boyfriend, Uh Thomas Trevelyan. Now, Thomas is a teenager, again, yikes, uh, a teenager with a developmental disability, apparently only wore army clothes, used to go outside and, like, scare the neighbors with screaming and antics. I don't know. A lot of interesting stuff about this Thomas. But basically, Thomas and... Lane start dancing. Dancing. Oh my god. Dating. What? Okay. Maybe I was dancing. like, is it? What? They just got nothing. They just, they're feeling it. It's like, is this town footloose? I'm confused. <laughs> it's a really, really sinister version of footloose. <laughs> if, if so, it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. My brain synapses are not firing anymore. Your brain so was like, like, please, God, give give us like a positive light here. And they just started dancing. Just yeah, like my it brain was is high like, school anything? musical. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> they broke out in song and everything went back to normal. They thought the only way to cure this was through dance. And <laughs> dance they did. <laughs> maybe it was because nothing gets cured. So maybe that was the clue all along. But unfortunately, nobody tries it. Instead, they start dating. And this target around Lane is getting larger and larger for Bunting. He's becoming more and more obsessed with killing Bunting, or I'm sorry, killing Lane, uh, even more so than usual, because now Bunting has heard that Lane has been talking to people about Bunting's activities. So now Mm. he's getting word that, like, Lane's gossiping about Bunting's interests, a.k.a. murdering people. Yes. So 
Bunting has now built this entire narrative that every pedophile is somehow linked to Lane and that he needs to stop Lane because that will kind of stop the swell of pedophilia that he's allegedly linked to. It's really what a theory bananas. What? Yeah. That's just like that. That's a thread that just came out of nowhere. Like, it, well, I guess in his, in his own wild mind. It, yeah. I mean, this guy's calling up, yeah. People in the phone book and just deciding they're pedophiles. But it's almost I mean, like there's like like a network of pedophiles and they all come back to Lane. Yeah, that's what he's basically told himself. And okay. I mean, to be fair, Lane's the only person so far that's actually a convicted pedophile. So in that way, there amongst, is some sense. Amongst the characters in this story, that makes... Right. It makes the most sense to pin it on this one person. Got it. Yeah, and sense is a very relative term. Yeah. Obviously in this scenario, but that's it's at least like, okay, this guy actually was technically a convicted pedophile. So this is the only person that like you're not just like looking through a phone book and guessing. Completely <laughs> making it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or with like no evidence. Exactly. So Basically, Bunting is deciding, like, I need to stop Lane. That's what's going to be the next best thing for this world. So in 1997, Bunting and his crew, including Lane's boyfriend, Thomas Trevilian, the teen or teenager that I mentioned, burst in on Lane, subdued and tortured them. <gasps> and this time to get rid of a potential trace, Bunting forces Lane to make a call to their mother Aww. prior to the murder in order to explain their sudden disappearance. So it this is, yeah, really horrifying. In the call, Lane told their mother they were moving to Queensland and wanted nothing to do with her. Oh, my God. Isn't that, like, just so fucked up? Oh, my God. That's awful. Yes, it's awful. So they tortured Lane. They're not going to like this by crushing their toes with pliers. Fuck okay, the you. End. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck. The end, the end, the end. The Absolutely end. not, Christine Schaefer. Absolutely <laughs> not. Oh, no. I'm nervous laughing. That's not funny. That's... It's not. It's certainly not. Um, with with just just the toes or toes and fingers? Well, since you're asking, uh, it says toes and nails. So I don't know. I know. You asked. I'm sorry. Take my breath away. <laughs> oh, my oh, I did. God. <laughs> That is, I mean, no matter what they were going to do, it was going to be terrible. But that personally yeah. is horrific. Yes, agreed. It's, it's, that's why Em and I don't often like to bring torture into the scenario because it really, 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 really is rough. Uh, obviously, that's the fucking understatement of the century, but it's. That is beyond. That's so. I don't like talking about that. Terrible. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So. Tortured okay. them before strangling them to death. Then they wrapped their body up in carpet, left uh, Lane in the house for a few days, and then took them to Bunting's shed where they were dismembered and put into an acid-filled barrel. So now this MO is becoming clearer and you're seeing why it's called the Bodies and Barrels Murders. Yes. Yes. So 10 days after Lane's murder, one of their friends reported them missing. However, because of the fake call to Lane's mother... Police believe Lane had just moved to Queensland and they're like, well, there's not much we can do. It's an adult who you know left. What? Sorry, I did not mean to totally interrupt you. No, but no, go ahead. You know what's specifically awful about this story compared to the others, which they're all terrible. But right. Lane was involved in these previously. So yeah. they knew what was coming. Like they knew what was going to happen in some way. Yeah. Like they were part of earlier murders and mm -hmm. tortures, which is just like. Well, the other victims, too, I imagine, were like, maybe there's a chance I'm going to get out of here. But Lane was probably like, 
Oh, true. Lane was like, no one's ever gotten out because I was yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. So because of that phone call to Lane's mom, police were like, well, there's not much we can do, which I actually do kind of understand because Lane's an adult and left a message with, with their mom or at least called their mom and said like, oh, I'm moving. Yeah. So like it's hard, you know, even if it's suspicious, I feel like that's probably a hard thing to investigate. Um, so Thomas Trevilian, the teen, has now moved in with Robert Wagner and Wagner's girlfriend, Vicky. So... <laughs> he soon confi- confides in one of his cousins that because he was involved in Lane's murder, he's now concerned for his own safety. Just like you were saying, being like, right. well, Lane was also part of the gang. Now is Uh-oh. dead. Now I'm part of the gang. Uh-oh. Am I in trouble? No one's safe. Uh-oh. No one's safe. And honestly, it's really kind of tragic because it's almost like he wrote his own destiny because it was when Bunting heard that Trevelyan was like, talking to people about how worried he was that they were like great well now we got to get rid of him because he's talking oh, shit. Too much and he's telling people what we did and uh he s- became suspicious that trevelyan was confiding in people which was exactly what he was doing and so bunting and wagner were like okay well got to get rid of this guy too and that's so wild i mean it's like it's just another part of the the like i don't even know the thought process i'm gonna say in quotes mm-hmm. that bunting had of that like some people who were like actually convicted of things like this, they're going to help you hurt other people you're claiming have done these things. But then those people are safe until all of a sudden they realize for you that they could also be responsible for the claims. Like it's like you were going to let the actual, not that you should be hurting anybody, but you were going to let those people off until they reminded you, Hey, by the way, you're being a hypocrite, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or like, hey, with that logic, I should be in danger. And they're like, you know what? You're right. You should be in danger. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. you're writing your own. I mean, it's Ugh. so fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. And I mean, this is the guy who, like, one of his lovers got too clingy and he killed her. So, right. Like, it's not even no like, rhyme or reason safe anyway. Right. Like, there's no rhyme or reason anyway. But yeah, this is like extra rough. So, um, let's see. They decide that Trevelyan needs to go. So they took advantage of his troubled background and his disability, and they staged a suicide. Oh, okay. uh, they, The police found, or somebody found, him hanging in a tree in the Adelaide Hills in November of 97, and it would take years before the police figured out it was anything other than a suicide, because all signs pointed to him having, you know, mental instability. He had a diagnosed disability. Uh, it just added up for them and it wasn't for years that they realized this was linked to these other deaths so by early 1998 and now 17 year old jamie that's one of the kids of elizabeth that she right, brought the, along the one with the computer thing in the beginning of yes, the story. yes yes precisely so jamie is still living in john bunting's house with his mother and unfortunately jamie has since become addicted to heroin and he decides it's a good idea to invite his friend gavin to move in like, okay. why is anyone moving into this house? But okay. So Bunting excuses Jamie's heroin use. However, he despises Gavin Porter for being a quote junkie. So oh. when Gavin. So it's again, moves in, like you're just like. It's fa- very selective. Yeah, it's yeah. very selective because you're just ignoring other people with the exact same issue you don't like other people exactly. for. Exactly. Which is exactly what points to almost this doesn't have anything to do with actual. Right. vigilantism or logic it's just like i don't like this guy yeah so he deserves it exactly. yeah it's that's like, exactly it it's just it all the only logic yeah yeah so he despises gavin for being a quote junkie 
Um, and what it took for him to freak out was that he accidentally pricked himself on a needle that Gavin had left around the house. So he flew into a rage, decided that Gavin was his next victim. And one day when Jamie was away, Bunting finds Gavin asleep in the back of a car. Not sure how that happened, but at this point, nothing surprises me. And Wagner, so Bunting's brought Wagner along again, and the two of them pounce they beat, torture, and murder Gavin. His body's dismembered and put into another barrel full of acid in the garage. Where's all this acid coming from? Do we ever figure That's that out? That's what I want to know. We don't even know what kind of acid it is. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Like, are, you, like, are you doing these next two barrels of acid on purpose? Or are you doing these things and then you're like, oh, look, another How barrel convenient. of acid. Like, <laughs> oh, look, where did that come from? And I, it makes me wonder, too, because then I'm like, is your MO intentional or is it coincidental that, like, you just happen to always be near be near acid, you know? It's gotta be Yeah, on it's, it's very like Acme Anvil Anvil yeah. from like a cartoon. It's like, well that's a weird coincidence that an are, anvil is falling. What are all off these cliff? What are all these pianos doing in the sky? I'm confused. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where are all these barrels of acid coming from? Instacart? I don't know where you can get one, but <laughs> I, I've never been able to find one on my own. So now they have another body in the barrels, in the garage, in the acid. So when Jamie returns, being like, hey, where's my friend Gavin? (laughs) Bunting takes him to the shed to show him what has happened. And there on the floor lie the limbs of his murdered friend Gavin. Oh, the limbs are still there. Don't worry. Uh, Then the shock continues when Bunting lifts one of the barrel lids, revealing the remains of Lane and Michelle Gardner as well. So. They're like, oh, you think that's horrifying? Well, look at what else we did. So Jamie hurls everywhere. (laughs) As you should. As you should. As you should. (laughs) It's the only logical, like, A to B thing that's happened so far in this whole story. So, yeah, it took this long, and now I'm, like, catching up. I'm like, aha, yeah, that checks out. Body parts puke. Makes sense. So he hurls everywhere, uh, but he's so scared that he agrees basically by force to become Bunting's wingman because <gasps> Bunting's like, well, here's, it's basically a threat. Like yeah. this will happen to you. This happened to your friend and to people you've known since you were a child. And guess what? It can happen to you too. So basically by August, 1998, Bunting has decided that Jamie should get his first taste of murder. And he's like, Hmm, who would be a perfect victim for this? How about his half brother, Troy, who had sexually abused him when they were younger? Because this Troy was- is a, pedophile to him and gay right yes well at least a pedophile or at least he thinks it's an easy way to tell to convince jamie like hey this guy hurt you right in childhood you should kill him and that's at least an easy way for him to get into this whole game it's like someone Um, without the ability to have rational thinking at this point trying to be rational like totally yeah totally like this makes sense yeah Yeah. (laughs) i guess um, so that's what they do. And yeah, I guess that's true too. Like there's that element of pedophilia in it. I mean, they were both children, but there's that element of like child molestation. And again, like this was a bigger story as far as like they were, Troy was molested by his father. And so it's like a big, right, horrifying circle. But so they arrange a trip where Bunting, Jamie, Wagner, and Hayden. Yeah, we haven't heard about Mark Hayden in a while. I was but like, he's where's this guy been? He, did he run yeah, off with I, Veronica? I know. he Maybe he's with Veronica. So they all go to visit Troy, the brother of Jamie. In the night, they enter his bedroom, forcefully drag him to the bathroom, torture him, tape record his voice, uh, a recording which would later be known as Voices of the Dead, which is like <sighs> what a creepy thing to name it, before murdering him. 
And even when his half-brother's lying dead, Bunting orders Jamie to kick the body, which he does. He then helps him carry Troy to the car where he's transported back to Bunting's house, thrown in a barrel full of acid. You know the drill. I get it. At this point, I'm starting to finally understand all this stuff. Yeah. It's starting to write itself. (laughs) So (laughs) Jamie gets access to his brother's social security benefits, uses it to get more drugs. Uh, There are now eight people dead, just in case you need a tally. And all police have are a number of missing persons reports and social security frauds. So they're like not being able to connect all of these together. So Bunting's gang seems to be unstoppable. I'm sure in their own eyes, that's what they were. And they've fully lost any compass of morality, if there ever was one, any compass of like rationale or even their own twisted sense of morals. Like they are all over the place. I mean, they killed Elizabeth Harvey's son. Remember, Troy was also the son of Elizabeth, who's like his lover and lives with him. Or at this point, his girlfriend, I guess, his partner and lives with him. Um, So they just like killed her kid, even though it was for a quote reason like it's still just all over the place so bunting's latest issue is that mark hayden's wife is now annoying him oh (laughs) so okay what an issue to have am i right yeah uh he decides she has to go as well but not before he targets her 18 year old nephew fred (laughs) listen what the fuck did fred do i'm telling you so fred had actually helped out in calling Nicole to claim Michelle's wallet. So Fred had actually been involved and had been part of the scheme to get Michelle's wallet, had helped out with and the on, crime. And on and on the right, the quote, right side. And on side. Bunting's side, yeah. yeah. Ha- had tried to help uh, get the wallet back, was like fully on their side, but he was just an easy target. Oh my God. And at this point, they don't need any other reason than I want to kill someone and he's there. It's just, so, I mean, truly, it's just like, because is just because yeah because i want to kill someone so with jamie stillis's accomplice on september 17th 1998 bunting tortures fred brooks uh lit cigarettes are placed in his nose (gasps) yeah a cigarette lighter is used to burn a smiley face into his forehead and this is the worst part a sparkler is inserted into his penis okay next (laughs) I so anyway, <laughs> lit lit sparklers. Yeah, like fireside, in. like a crackly one. Eek! I can't. I mean, I'm I, not, I, I don't have that part. I, I don't have those parts, but yikes! I can only imagine. I I I don't know what to do. That's me neither. Really, really, really fucking. It's just horrible. like next level. Like, how do you even come up with this shit? You know. <sighs> That poor, I mean, poor all of them, but, like, the fact that, like, that, that, like, I've never even had that thought. Like, I can't wrap my head into something that dark and twisted. But then to know that not only would it be a random thought, but someone else had that thought, act on it, and that was someone's last memory. Jesus fucking Christ. One way to put it. Bummer central. Fuck! Yeah. So tortured him, clearly, pretty thoroughly. And then they took his body to his uncle Mark's house, uh, Mark Hayden, where the other barrels had since been taken for storage. And he joins the lovely collection that Bunting is building of uh, barrels, acid-filled barrels with bodies in them. How many barrels are there per, how many bodies are there per barrel at this point? Do we know? Oh, that's a great question. Because, like, I, I've only heard, I think, of, like, three 
or four barrels, but there's like now like almost 10 people. So some of them were buried in shallow graves. This was before the barrels came into the picture. Okay. The first person to be put in the barrel was Michelle. Okay. I believe. And then it was Lane. And then it was Gavin. Got it. Not that it fucking matters. No, I'm just... but you're right. I mean, it's it's like trying to get a grasp Oof. on this whole, their MO. Um, so they take uh, Brooks' benefits and start taking his social security benefits. Uh, just a few weeks later in October, Bunting and Jamie are in their car when they spot a man named Gary O'Dwyer crossing the road. <sighs> they notice he has a limp, and it turns out that Gary was a victim of a car accident. Either way, <laughs> Bunting decides that Gary might be a recipient of a disability pension, and he was right. Jesus. So, wanting that disability pension, Bunting rouses a scheme to get him and the gang invited to Gary's house. They set this up. And when they're invited over for drinks, Bunting gives the signal, which is just standing up. And at that point, Wagner grabs O'Dwyer from Gary, O'Dwyer from behind and starts to choke him. They beat him up, torture him, get his financial details and record his voice for posterity's sake, all before strangling him to death and then dismembering him and storing him in another barrel. Fuck. I mean, so at at this point, we can just call this guy a serial killer, right? Or a serial group. Oh, holy fuck. Fully, thoroughly a serial killer, yes. In my mind, I don't know why, because this is not what I... I don't think this is how serial killers are defined. It's it's the it's the lack of rhyme or reason that makes me want to recategorize them. I, I, I was trying to follow it for a while of like, oh, they're a group of people who, you know, make wild claims. They're not even making claims anymore. They're just like, this is, no. this is, I just want to kill you. They just know they're getting away with it. So, yeah. Okay. I don't know where I was really going with my point, but um, got it. I'm officially in serial killer zone. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're at like, I think this is the ninth. Yeah, victim. that does it. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, I think we've reached alone. a threshold that the FBI gives. Yeah. Isn't the, the threshold like once you've hit five or something? So it's three. So it's very, it, it varies, but it's typically three, um, but not at the same time because that would, you know. Just be a mass murder. Yeah, or that would eliminate, like, a family annihilator or something like okay. that. But it's three, I believe, separate instances. Uh, oh, shoot. Hold on. It doesn't I, I shouldn't wanna... have put you on the spot like that. I'm no, so no, sorry. No, no, it's a good question. Um, I always thought it was once you sure hit five individual murders that made you a serial killer. So there's definitely, like, back and forth about what the actual number is, but typically it's three so let's see. A serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people, usually in service of abnormal psychological gratification, with the murders taking place over more than a month and including a significant period of time between them. Interesting. That's weird. So, that makes it feel like if you did it three times in two weeks, it doesn't technically apply because it was less than yeah, a month. Yeah, I think it's like tip. I think that's like the typical. Because if you were like, oh, I'm going to kill all my friends, or not all my friends, I don't know why I said it like that, but like, <laughs> if I were going to kill my, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it depends. I think it, it isn't like strictly. It's more like if it were. It's a guideline, maybe. Sure. I, I don't know. This is not totally pertinent to the story. I should, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it is. I mean, they're clearly serial killers, but yeah, um. Essentially, they they should be separate events and three or more people. Got it. Is typically like the the definition. Fun fact, everyone. Fun fact. Um. So, 
Uh, let's see, where are we? His body is dismembered. This is Gary, who had the disability pension. So after the deaths of Fred, the nephew, and Gary, the random guy on the street, uh, Bunting now decides it's time for Elizabeth Harvey to die. So the, his, the, the his... woman he was sleeping with. Oh, wait. No, sorry. I, m- I miswrote that. I thought I had miswritten that. Not Elizabeth Harvey. Sorry. Elizabeth um, Hayden, Mark's oh. wife. That was annoying him. There's two Elizabeths. I'm sorry. I got them mixed up with the H last name. Elizabeth Harvey is his GF. Right, right, is Bunting's right. GF. And Elizabeth Hayden is Mark's his GF. pal Mark's wife, who's annoying, Who I guess. already just killed his nephew and now is Yeah, like... and, and just killed his nephew. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they decide. I'm sorry. That was my bad. I wrote No, you're wrong, good. But. It's time for Elizabeth Hayden to die. Um, interestingly, she would be his only cis female victim. Fun oh, fact. Fun fact. Yeah. On November 20th, 1998, while Mark, her husband, was away, she was attacked and murdered by Bunting. And although Mark was away, he later assisted in covering up his wife's murder. So when he got home, he helped them cover it up. Which is like, just shows you how deep in they were right. into Bunting's like fucked up headspace. So she was reported missing by her brother the following day at 3 p.m. because he was like, I didn't believe Mark's explanations for why she had disappeared. And upon receiving the brother's missing persons report, police find it suspicious that Elizabeth's own husband had not reported her missing, but her brother had. Right. So they decide to investigate. Because Elizabeth was closely linked to all of her murderers, they all fell under close scrutiny of the police. And the police installed a listening device in Mark Hayden's house, Mm. and that becomes pivotal in the unraveling of the case. Okay. So those recordings were later used as court evidence, and during this time, the gang even claimed another victim, David Johnson, uh, all orchestrated by Jamie. Um, This was the computer. This is full circle of Jamie orchestrated the next murder, uh, which was convincing his friend that they were going to pick up a computer at a building, and then... David thinks that's exactly what they're doing. Right. They walk into the building and David becomes, but like I said earlier, the last victim of the right. Snowtown murders. So right. this is our final victim, David Johnson. And this was at the hand of Jamie, who kind of walked him right into this situation. And it would be later revealed that with the final murder, Bunting and Wagner, they thought like, let's level up and cook and eat some of this guy. <gasps> so, oh, so we are really escalating ourselves. Why right? not? Okay. So cannibalism <laughs> is taking into to effect at yeah at suddenly the very end that's of thrown right into the mix is some cannibalism so they cooked and eat it um no clue what they thought but uh it's soon discovered by police that john bunting is renting out an abandoned bank building in snowtown and they're like that's interesting maybe we should check what's there uh he had rented it as somewhere to move the bodies once he suspected the police might be onto him so they tracked down the bank building, arrived at the site, and are immediately repelled by a horrible, horrible stench. In one of the rooms, they find a couple barrels. Can you imagine being the one who has to open those? Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living it in my mind right now, and I just can't even imagine. I, Shivery. Oof, oh, my God. So they open the barrels, and ta-da! Uh, they find body parts of what would turn out to be eight people. Wow. Uh, it is for this reason the case is sometimes known, like I said, as the bodies and barrels murders. And fun fact, in a documentary by Crime Investigation Australia, an investigator says, this is actually kind of fascinating, it is also possible that the barrels filled with acid by the killers was used to try and destroy evidence, but the killers were too stupid to realize they were actually <laughs> preserving the bodies. <laughs> 
The bodies sort of looked mummified. The wrong acid was used. The bodies were put into hydrochloric acid, which doesn't dissolve human tissue. Should they have been put into sulfuric acid, they would have been dissolved. I see. So these bozos think they're getting rid of evidence and instead they're preserving it. You know, that's, it's good to know. Good to know. Now, it's if, good to know. If in trivia I'm asked about <laughs> acid and, and getting rid of body evidence, now I know. And I always, actually, because I've never killed anyone, I had no idea that there you that different acids did different things. I know it's so stupid, but I've just never no, thought but, about yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it does make some sense in that, like, you can, like, pickle things versus, like, which preserves yeah, them versus, that's like... so true. I just, I've never spent enough time thinking about it, and I just assumed, like, oh, you put them in, like, an industrial strength type of acid, eventually the body will gone. go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Um, I guess you're probably safer putting them in water and waiting, but... I don't know. <laughs> well... Luckily, I'll never know. (laughs) Luckily, knock on wood, we'll never find out. Yeah. So police arrested and charged Bunting, Wagner, Vlasakis, and Mark Hayden on May 21st, 1999 for the murders. In questioning, James decides to free flow all information in the hopes that, this is Jamie, uh, in the hopes that his compliance will give him a shorter sentence. So he directs police to the Waterloo Corner Road house, instructs them to look in the garden, and that is where they find the corpses of Ray Davies and Suzanne Allen, uh, two of the early murders murder victims uh the trial of bunting and wagner lasted almost 12 months which is the longest in the history of south australia and during the trial justin brian ross martin determined bunting to be the ringleader which at least that was correct Mm. and sentenced him to 11 consecutive terms of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole wagner was sentenced to 10 consecutive terms under the same conditions and at his sentencing he stated pedophiles were doing terrible things to children the authorities didn't do anything about it I decided to take action. I took that action. Thank you. Oh, brava. 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 (laughs) Thank you. Snaps for him. Snaps for you, Wagner. So in December 2003, Bunting, Wagner, and Vlasakis were convicted. And in 2011, there's a pretty famous murder. I'm sorry. Jesus, this is a famous murder. There's a pretty famous movie about the murders called Snowtown, which has won a lot of Australian awards. It's apparently, Mm. I haven't seen it, um, but it's apparently very dark and heavy. So it's apparently a really well done true crime documentary, but is also like pretty hard to watch. So just a fair warning if... uh, if if you want to check it out Mm -hmm. um i think i i was not in the right i considered it but i was not in the right headspace so i bookmarked it for a future time when maybe i'm better equipped to handle that um but a final note is that some people in snowtown have tried to profit off the story with merchandise which is pretty icky and i don't think a cute look right and um there's basically they sell these like barrels like these like <gasps> toy barrels with like a foot coming out of it and a head coming out of it and it says snowtown and like cursive oh no yeah it's not oh, a cute no. look I- i'm like super not into it so oh, no. i mean i'm also the type who's not into like serial killer merchandise because i'm right, like that's right. not the point to me i don't think that's i think that's the opposite of the point but or like yeah, you know, i'm not into it I mean, just in terms of like you never know who you're around and they could have been completely affected by it and now you're completely yeah you're like re-traumatizing people or triggering people it's just not good in my opinion but that is the story of the snowtown murders and i again i'm so sorry it was so all over the place it's just like that's why i was so like frantic about getting everything no you're right (laughs) because it was like so many names and two different elizabeths and 
Oh my goodness. You did anyway. the best you could with what you got and you did pretty darn good. Well, I just I I feel like we should name this episode the migraine episode because like, It is it is fully a migraine between episode. Between this and QAnon, like I yeah. mean good fucking luck if you were hoping for an easy digestible episode try next week like <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll both like fucking chill happen. out next week we'll see i mean i'm like we started this oh god like right after i ate like a late breakfast and now the sun is down and it's like seven o'clock and man oh man do i have what i what i'm now recognizing must be a migraine because i don't know I what else it could be <laughs> very much i'm looking forward to reporting on a, a much easier simpler one episode is all it takes story next week yeah so. and and i do recognize the irony in that like we are choosing to do this and yeah. do it to you but listen, we also want to listener sh- we also make sure want to make sure that when we're reporting on things you know we're doing it Right. So just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. sorry, so, but also we're, we're sorry not. if you are joining us in our migraine. Uh huh. We're sorry world. if like here's here's what I'm really sorry about. If you're on a road trip with someone who loves listening to and that's why we drink and they're like just one episode and then we can listen oh. to whatever you want and you got stuck here for like three hours and now you're at your destination Ooh. or like you got there and there's still a half an hour of this left and you're like I gotta fucking listen to that show again when I'm I get in the so car. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, we're over four hours, so we should probably uh, say bye. And Good go. riddance to us. I need some water or like some wine, actually. <laughs> water. What's wrong with me? I need a nap is what I need. I need a nap and a big bag of booze. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank you to everyone that sat through all of this. And um, that's it. Um, goodbye. And goodbye. That's why we drink. Also, we're sorry. (laughs) We're sorry.